What does Catherine Bigelow, Jennifer Lynch, Mary Lambert, and Barbara Peters have in common? That's right. They are all women Donald Trump has not peed on yet. Women horror directors on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. The Phantom Podcast Network features a sweet mix of horror podcasts from various shows, including ours. And you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or go to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom. Check out the site. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Now, if you've never listened to Attack of the Killer Podcast before... Uh, our show is what we do is we pick a topic, we openly discuss the films within that topic, and you know it's just a free-for-all. So there will be spoilers. I'm telling you right now, there will be. And we don't always call it out before it happens, So because we, we don't conform to your like ways, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, dude. We won't be suppressed. So just heads up, there, there may be spoilers. Now, this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast is brought to you by that guy. Yeah, that guy right there. Yeah, you. You know I'm talking to you. You may be asking yourself, how does one become a sponsor of an episode? Well, technically you can't, but uh, you can donate to the show and help keep it going and help improve the show. Uh, so it's kind of like sponsoring a show, right? Right. Okay. So you can don't you can do that by donating to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Um, no donations go unrewarded. <laughs> you will get various perks by donating to our Patreon. So check it out, see what you can get. Now all that bullshit's out of the way. It's time to introduce <laughs> you to the podcast crew. Everything he learned about sex, he learned from humanoids from the deep. John Stalter, everybody. I believe it. Yeah, it's it's true. Hi, everybody. <laughs> That's why it's all it's always so cold and clammy and fishy with you. Slimy. <laughs> mm. I like to cover you in seaweed. <laughs> okay, yeah. moving on quickly. Um, <laughs> he don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Mostly because they misspell cemetery. Brian Clark, everybody. It's true. I'm a grammar Nazi. Hello, everyone. After her arms and legs were removed by Julian Sands, she changed her name to Eileen. Terry Turford. <laughs> I would have said Bob, but whatever. Damn it. That Bob would have been better. Hey, guys. And lastly, it's all fun and games until there's a dead hooker in the trunk. Jason Bollinger. Words to live by. What's up, everybody? And then it's not fun at all. No. <laughs> no. So, there's no Dustin Neal this week, because he's getting in touch with his inner woman, and that woman has put a restraining order against him, so he will be missed. Now, before we get to tonight's topic, it's time for our segment we call Killer News. Thank you. 
First up, and something I'm pretty excited about because I play a lot of tabletop games, is this year sometime there's going to be a Big Trouble in Little China board game. What? Fuck yeah! Yeah, now awesome. there's not a lot of there's not a lot of information in the uh, article that was released about uh, you know the gameplay mechanics and stuff like that. But uh, basically, the idea is you can play as Jack Burton or one of four of his uh, compatriots. So I'm assuming. Uh, Egg Shen uh, is probably one of them. Um, I don't think you can play as like Thunder and Lightning. I'm pretty sure they're uh, what do I want uh, foes that you have to defeat along the uh, along the way. But there there are luck rolls and and uh, stuff like that, and it, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, there's just a couple of pictures of the game board that have been released, and and some of the little uh, mini figure characters. There's a uh, there's a Wang, there's a Wing Kong six-shooter. Yep, there's an Egg Shen. So uh, he's probably one of the playable characters. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. It should heard, be a lot of fun. I heard there's a Wang. Nah, that's racist. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not what you said last week. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Uh, Samuel Jackson has announced. <laughs> Just plow through it, man. Just keep going. <laughs> Just plow through it. Samuel Jackson has, uh, I, I should say, reconfirmed, not so much announced. He mentioned back in 2015 that he was going to be in a remake of The Blob, and then that news just sort of fell off the map. And uh, just the other day, he has said that he got another call from the people who are making the new version of The Blob and said that they got uh, their completion funds from china uh, so presume i don't know if maybe legendary pictures is doing it because they're a chinese owned company but anyway it sounds like we are uh, for sure again getting another remake of the blob which another i'm fine remake. with a mother yeah. motherfucking remake of the blob well there's already there's already been one remake and it's almost as good as the original so i'm i'm not too down on this plus sam jackson is awesome so plus he's in everything so you know i might right. as well be in it but he's a big monster fan, you know. He's talking in, in uh, this interview he gave when he said that he was going to be in the new one. That you know, he and his friends every day after school they'd pretend to be you know King Kong and Godzilla and all this other stuff. So he's been a monster fan since he was a little kid. So I think he's in all these things because he genuinely likes it, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. Uh, very cool. Going on to super charismatic people showing up in awesome movies, uh, The Rock did not show up in this year's WrestleMania. And the reason he bowed out of it is because he was on the way to the set of The Predator, the new Predator flick by Shane Black, to play Dylan Jr., the son of the Carl Weathers character. Tits. Yeah. Cool. So, is that I the mean, one written by Fred Decker, then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he and Shane Black uh, wrote it together, I think, and then nice. Black is directing it. And, I mean, I was already excited because Fred Decker, Shane Black, and Predator, that's fucking awesome. But oh, I wanted, yeah. <laughs> but I'll watch The Rock and anything. I mean, that dude is just a charisma volcano i love that guy <laughs> you just like his muscles yeah he's pretty it doesn't hurt <laughs> <laughs> uh 
And then uh, one last thing I want to bring up is there is a new H.P. Lovecraft-inspired anime movie coming out called Force of Will. It's uh, inspired by The Call of Cthulhu and is about a girl who has the ability to give life to the things that she writes about. Um, there's, there's, That's really all the information in English there is about it so far. Um, there's no even release date information, but there is a trailer out there and a couple of screenshots from that floating around. And uh, the animation looks really cool, and the creature design is real spiffy. So I'm looking forward to that, and more about that one as it comes. Spiffy. Sweet. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty rad. Cool. Anyone else? Yeah! <laughs> um, we got a couple of new trailers, like big studio horror trailers that came out the past couple weeks here. One was uh, Annabelle Creation. Did everyone get a chance to watch that trailer? Nope. I didn't. <sighs> yeah, I suck. Because <laughs> the first movie sucked. Hey, hey I didn't you. mind it. I thought it was kind of fun, and I hate fucking creepy dolls. Um... But it looks it looks interesting. Um, it's going to be directed by David Sandberg, who just did Lights Out. Um, mm. Luckily, it's not the same writer as Lights Out. Oh, thank, um, goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it looks interesting. It's kind of uh, obviously a creation story, Annabelle creation. Um, cool. Yeah, watch the trailer. Looks like it'll be fun. Produced by James Wan still, so. And but the interesting thing to me in the trailer, I don't think that they've used this before, but there's a screenshot that says in the conjuring universe in the trailer. Ooh. I know. I was I thought that was cool too. I don't think they've really come out and said that, but I mean we we know that. Yeah. It was still kinda neat seeing that up on in the trailer, so um and then the other big trailer that came out was for the new it movie did you guys all see that hells yeah yeah i i fucking can't wait me neither it looks awesome absolutely terrifying and i was watching uh did you guys see there was a video going around of that was matching up like the oh yeah the the last movie yeah the side by side it was pretty cool Mm -hmm. i saw i watched i didn't watch the whole video but i watched like where the little boys chasing the the uh, paper boat and whatnot. Yeah, it was pretty neat to see the side by side from <laughs> the old movie and the new trailer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was say, looks now, great. now that this now that this trailer's out, I'm looking forward to it. For a while there, all we knew was it was they so were much hype. Another, well, the, all we knew is they were making another one and some shots of the Pennywise, which yeah. I think looks fucking stupid because, and he still does, even in the new, even though the new trailer is cool. I just clowns aren't scary people. Fucking get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Un- unless they're Tim Curry, and then they're goddamn terrifying. But that's not because he's a clown. That's because he's Tim Curry. Yeah. But but everything else about this trailer looks really good. And oh my god! Based on a Stephen King story. I mean, that dude can write a fucking story, obviously. So yeah, I'm yeah. I am now very much on board with this one. I'm looking forward. God, when the balloon just floats through the what library or classroom? Yeah, classroom. yeah. Holy shit! Just oh, so much about it looks so good. I think it, I think it looks extremely promising. Of course, I've I've seen some criticism of it. They're like, oh, the jump scares, jump scares. I'm like. 
Yeah, that's every horror movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry, him going through the water like the way he was, or when he he kind of oh. pops up a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, the that end. last shot. Yeah. Oh, creepy. And jump scares don't ever scare me. Like it just, I just don't jump at movies anymore. But it looks genuinely scary and terrifying. Yeah, and I've said it. I've said it forever now that if if you're gonna remake anything, and especially remake a Stephen King film. It would be the one to do in this day and age where you can get away with doing multiple films within mm-hmm. within one book, you know, or one storyline. Like, you know, Harry Potter has proven that to be true. And, and the fact that, not to take away from the original, but let's face facts, guys. It was made for television in yeah. the 90s. It's going to be... definitely use a quality boost for sure. I don't yeah. remember much beyond Tim Curry. <laughs> and of course, it has it's... been 20 years <laughs> since I've seen it. But t- Tim Curry is the most memorable thing from, or what most people remember from that movie or from the miniseries. Yeah. Well, it's and... definitely made for TV quality. Mm-hmm. For the, sure. The budget, the lack of like you know. Anything that could get them an R rating, I guess. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, a lot of potential with doing it. And what's great is that, what and what looks like that they're doing, you know, how with the original film, it, it's a little bit jumbled. And I don't remember what the book is like, but it's a little bit jumbled because it jumps back and forth between the kids and then when they're adults. But it looks like they've split up the two timelines into two different movies. The, yeah. This one's the kids' movie, and the adult one will be the next one. And I think I that's, that's how they did it, that original. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen the miniseries. If I remember right, it, I remember it jumping back and forth a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thinking of being able to do multi-part things like that, it would be cool to have an update of the stand now too. I was See, just exactly. there was supposed that to be one. I thought. Yeah, I thought there was too. I mean, Although I liked the t- original, but. Yeah, the TV movie of that is, is, I think, still is really good. Like it holds up, and there's it, you know, some well, you rougher know stuff in that. Why is that? Jerry Sinise. Oh yeah. He's That's not the only. Movie. He's not the only good actor in that cast. No, man. but I. But he. That movie has Miguel Ferrer in it. <laughs> It's yeah, everybody. it does. It's so many good actors. Ozzy Davis is in it. I mean, Rob Lowe. a lot of people that really, really like. But I just really like Gary Sinise. Uh, Ray Walsh. God, he was in that. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was there was one. I think a, a year or so ago that they were rumored to be kind of working on the production stuff for, but I think it kind of just kind of melted away. Well, Hopefully who knows? It comes back. Yeah, who knows? With it being successful, it could bring that back. Yeah, because I, we get a resurgence of and, a bunch of Stephen the, King stuff. Yeah, since the stand is a post-apocalypse movie, give it to George Miller. Ooh, that would be cool. Ooh, that'd be very cool, George Romero. <laughs> but and that's the thing too. Like if you did the stand in the same vein, where you split it up against a couple different films at least. You could spend a little more time because if I remember right, in the book, doesn't the book spend more time on the the fall of society? It's been a long time. <laughs> I honestly yeah. couldn't tell you. The only thing I remember from the movie is like they show so, one scene where people are getting sick in the streets, and yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is holding that sign that says "The End is Near," and then the next thing you know, everybody's dead, but the select few people. 
And I thought they spent more time on the on the apocalypse um, in the actual book, but I I've never wrong. actually read the book. But again, you know, you're talking about a, you're talking about a made-for-TV miniseries in the '90s mm-hmm. that deals with the apocalypse, and and how can it not be like lesser? Than, than something theatrical with a budget. And right, because they, they had no money for special effects. Yeah. Because they're, you know, the, the few times you see Randall Flagg, you know, turn into his devil face, that's pretty fucking cheesy. <laughs> mm hmm. And the, the miniseries was directed by Mick Garris, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Was that all you had there, Terry, for news? I think so. Okay, well, one last bit of news that I have. I want to. I would like to announce that um, I have started a new solo side project podcast called Midnight Snacks. And it's a podcast where I discuss, it's just me discussing the art of TV movie horror hosts. Um, there's no set schedule on how often these episodes are going to post. Um, it's going to be at random, so if you like the show and you can't wait for the next one, just be patient, they will happen. Um, but as of recording this show, the first episode might have already been out by now, or coming out by then. Regardless, uh, I figured it was time to make the announcement, so, um, you can, you can follow the show on Facebook at Midnight Snacks. And you'll be able to download the show from the website, midnightsnackspodcast.blogspot.com. And it'll also be available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Not SoundCloud. Well, iTunes, Stitcher, and Stitcher. Google Play. And Google I was going to say, just talk to Jason. He's probably the one that's going to be posting this stuff for you. So, <laughs> Just saying, Mike. Just saying. That's all he's doing. I've done everything else. I did the editing and all of it, like a big boy. Oh, look, look, you fuck machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's it for killer news. Let's finally get into what the show is all about, and that is fucking around. Well, yeah, that's what the show is. Oh. The topic of the show. Oh, okay. And talking that is, about those ladies. Yeah, women horror directors. And I think we should start with, I think, we should just start right out of the gate, all guns blaring, with uh, the movie that inspired this topic, for me anyway, and that was the release of the of the new movie XX, which is an anthology film, all written and directed by women, uh, where the the main star of each segment is, is a woman. And go. <laughs> um, the movie's half and half for me. Okay. Um, do we I want... honestly... Yeah. All right, sorry, go. Well, I was going to say, do we want to break it down um, segment by segment? I kind of think we should, so we can discuss I mean, there's like four director. of them. Yeah, and there's so, only I mean, four. It's not like, you know, 26 of them. The movie starts off with... Um, with a segment that like was a really tough gut punch for for me to start a f- fucking movie off with, and it was um, uh, the box. Yeah, the box. 
couldn't find it in my notes. <clears throat> Directed by Yvonne, uh, how do you say her name? Yvonka. Yvonka Vukovic. Sure. V- okay, Vuk- Vukovic something. And it was Close. based. It was based on a Jack Ketchum story uh, and written for the movie by her. Um, and yeah, this was a rough one to sit through, you know, being a father. Um, but it was a really interesting, I thought it was a really interesting story and what a way to start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had very much the same experience with it. I sat down and watched this thing. Like, anthology movies are very hit or miss, so I I was interested, but I you know, didn't have my expectations super high. And then, yeah, as that segment progressed, man, I was, like, glued to the TV. Absolutely. And, like, feeling not so much, like... And it's not scary in the traditional sense of, like, ooh, it's a horror thing. It's more like it, it was, like, twisting my stomach up. Like, I mm-hmm. felt tense and nauseous watching it because yeah. I was so concerned for what was happening to those kids. Yeah, so, well, to break it down story-wise, mom and her two kids are on the train uh, getting a ride home, and the boy's sitting next to this this guy holding this box, and the whole story takes, the majority of the story takes place um, kind of around the Christmas season. Um, And so the the kid's bugging the guy about what's in the box. You know, what's in the box? And um, the, the guy lets the kid peek into it, and like he just he doesn't say anything he doesn't really react to it but then he just won't eat like every time there's a meal he won't eat he keeps forgetting to take his lunch to school and he won't and when he does he won't eat it and he just won't eat and it just keeps uh spiraling down for the family from there just leave it at that but so it's a bucket of truth so, like, they always say, you know, when you're watching a movie and there's, like, something awful that happens to children in it, and as a parent, it affects you in a different way. But this isn't, like, watching, like, some kid get his head blown off and like, the beyond or something. You know, you're watching, you're watching this kid slowly die throughout this, throughout this, uh, the story. And there's nothing anybody could do about it. Until, until... It actually ends up consuming the whole family. So, well, it's almost like a disease, like how um, <clears throat> the disease spreads in uh, uh, potty pool through words. Sure. Yeah. Once they pass it on, like, well, this is what I. Holy fuck! I don't want to eat. You know, like, don't know their motivation for not wanting to eat, but that's how I kind of looked at it. Yeah. And it's a very fine line to tread if you're going to leave something unexplained in your movie. If yeah. you, if you ex- like, had they just said what it was, it wouldn't have been that scary. Like, not knowing oh, is sure. part of what makes it mm-hmm. so tense. Absolutely. But, but it's also, like, you have to give the audience enough to go on. And this is one of those rare ones. Like, they give you literally nothing. You, you mm-hmm. will never know. But the... The app, it, in this case, it's not important. What it doesn't fucking matter what was in that box. Yeah, it it's the the uncontrollable deterioration of this family over months and months, and 
I mean, that that's where the horror comes from. It doesn't matter what caused it. But, yeah, just w- watching these people waste away over such a long time and how helpless everyone was. To, oh. Yeah. Yeah, this is really, really fucking good. And it's just like with the with the boy and then it later happens to the daughter as well that like they're perfectly normal children that they, they haven't really changed at all they just don't ever want to eat they're just never hungry oh and then that scene where they're that scene at christmas oh that was that was killer yeah that was yeah i mean i honestly didn't really care for this one but there were aspects that i you know that were fucked up well yeah the christmas part just Mm. well uh, (laughs) imagine it's your cats john (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the world sucks (laughs) see that's where you don't have kids you don't understand you're right i don't understand and i don't care yeah and i mean that's such a cliche i I hate dragging that old chestnut out as an explanation because, like Mike yeah. was saying, like it's it's such a you know hoary old thing to to pull out. Like, oh, this you know affected me different, and you don't understand because of this. But I mean, cliches are be- cliches, and stereotypes are stereotypes because there's a kernel of truth in all of them. And you know, this is no different. It really will affect you differently. So. Yeah. If you if you don't have kids and you watch this and you go, oh, what are those Attack of the Killer podcast people thinking? They're a bunch of fucking saps. This sucked. Like, well, <laughs> right, you, you don't even know, man. <laughs> Beat his ass. And tell him. I don't know. <laughs> so, Jason, what'd you think of the segment, the box? How? Uh, the ending. I'm trying to remember. It just does it. It doesn't end, does it? It ends. No, with, it's still on right now. <laughs> it's still it, on. Yeah. it ends with like all of her family dead. Right, zero explanation of what's happening. Yeah. And she's searching for the man with the box. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. She yeah. Gets I didn't on care the for that. And stuff. What's that? I didn't care for that. Didn't care for the ending. The ending. It's not that I needed it wrapped up in a tight, nice bow or anything, but it was just like, okay, so there was no point. So I just cared a little <laughs> less, I guess. It's... Didn't seem like there is resolution. Right. None, nothing, nothing at all. Well, and that's, all the stuff that's, that's, was happening was cool, but, I mean, not cool, but cool, but. <laughs> that comes from the, the no explanation, though, like. The the and and they you know it's kind of writing yourself into a corner in a story like that where yeah. the only other way you could resolve it is if she finds the guy and sees what's in the box and and then all the power goes out the window because we see there's a I don't know dead kitten in the box or something and it's just not fun anymore. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying we had to ever see what was in the box. I'm glad we didn't, but just for her or the storyline of this family, could, it's just like. Yeah. She could have found him, and we could have ended on her looking in it. Right, that would have been you know, a million that, that, times that better. Exactly, been yeah. a more satisfying yes. way to do it. Yeah. I will also level this criticism at it. Can we call a moratorium on people watching Night of the Living Dead in horror movies just to <laughs> let you know that the, the filmmakers get that it's a horror movie too? Like, you, we fucking know that you can play this for no money because the mafia stole the rights to it. But 
because yeah, it's the, it's the it's the best public domain movie. <laughs> like you wanna you want watching like I don't know Tag of the Giant Leeches yes. or <laughs> yes. Did you forget who you're talking to for a minute? Yeah, there? Course, I that's did. what I want. You're right. <laughs> I thought it was shot cool, and I thought it looked great, and yeah, that's what that was gonna be my next question. How did everybody feel that um, Ivanka did as a director? Yes, yeah. it good. Good. I thought it looked good. really good. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very start. Like there's not a lot of color. There's not a lot of warmth to it, and so you feel kind of like the whole thing comes off as kind of cold. Like you know, and they're sitting at the table with their perfectly white dishes and their perfectly white tablecloths and that kind of. And I'm sure that was intentional, just to kind of make it more off-putting. But yeah, I dug it. And yet, it wasn't completely flushed out though either. With that that whole thing that happens in a lot of modern horror films that I can't stand where where all color is saturated out mm. and it, it just it comes off it's just so dull to me so um and I like the fact that like uh the mom just you know during all those dinner sequences she just keeps eating yeah. Oh, yeah. And they kind of linger on that a few times. Yeah, and that it it made her a little less like the the first couple of nights. Yeah, because kids do that; they're picky, and so, you, you know the husband seems to be overreacting a little bit. But by like yeah. the end of the first week, when he's freaking out and she's still sitting there eating her chicken, like whatever, I still need to eat. Yeah, that came off as a little like, are you? Actually, these kids' parents are their stepmom, and you don't care because, <laughs> or Jesus, she's just completely cool. in denial. Like, but, nope, world is fine, everything's yeah, that, fine, everybody's fine, nobody's dying. That's true. That could be too. And I mean, yet, maybe though, I don't know. Did you pick up on her last line in her um, narration there at the very end when she's getting she on the subway? Yep, yeah. she says, "I'm I'm so hungry." Mm-hmm. So maybe she gave up too. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did I say that out loud? Internal monologue, John. Work on it. So this is like, I th- I think the the first really big thing that Yvonka's done as a director, she's done a couple shorts, um, but she's best known as like the editor for Rue Morgue magazine. At least that's where I know oh, her from. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Or she used to be the editor for Rue Morgue. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think I, I'm pretty impressed with, you know, her... I don't want to say directorial debut and not undersell her shorts, but it kind of is. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah. It flowed well. It's just. So the next one to follow up after the box was um, the birthday cake, right? Birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, way to. Re- way to relieve that tension from the first segment by following it up with a black comedy. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Now, this was directed by a lady who goes by the name of St. Vincent. Yeah, musician. Musician. Yeah. Her real name's Part Annie Clark. talented guitarist. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not familiar with her as a musician. What, it, she's just, I mean, it's not, she's great. She's it's awesome. not something I would listen to normally, but she's really, really good. I mean, she's got a lot of a lot of music credits for film for film work. Is that the majority of what she does, or does she? No, 
No, she has or, albums, I mean, and, albums and shit. She's okay. definitely right now. She's definitely considered to be one of the the best guitarists alive. Just like across the board, she's just really that talented. Okay. She puts out her own albums of her own music and yeah. Stuff she's awesome. When uh, when Nirvana was inducted to uh, the Hall of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, what two years ago or something, yeah. she uh, did some songs with I think the remaining members and yeah, she does a good job. I mean, like I said, not what I would normally listen to, but my my brother in law really enjoys her work, and that's how I found out about her. Okay, so the story of this one it's uh, about this woman holding. A birthday party for her kid. Um, and Played by Melanie Linsky, who is awesome. Who I love. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, like, inadvertently loved her. Without no... Yeah. Because I loved her in Heavenly Creatures. I loved her in mm-hmm. Two and a Half Men when she played Rose. I even loved her when she was in Detroit Rock City. Like, I was surprised anybody's going to reference that movie, right? <laughs> But I did make the connection it was all the same woman. Until <laughs> until I saw I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Uh, I was so going to say, good. you need to watch I, that. I, I still need it. to see that. So fucking it's good. really good. And the whole movie, which I fucking loved that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, it speaks to me on a very dark level. Um, <laughs> that, like... And I, But I'm sitting there watching the movie the whole time. It's like, where do I recognize her from? So I IMDb'd her while watching it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's the that's the uh, that's the girl from Heavenly Creatures. That makes sense. Wait, what the fuck? She's also Rose on Two and a Half Men. What? So like, and then it all just clicked. So yes, I love this woman. I'm in love with this woman. I will marry her. I think you're the only person that watches Two and a Half Men. I watched it too, and she was the best. Oh. Part. Thank you. It's not like I liked it. It was on, like after something we watched, and I like John Cryer. Uh-huh. And uh, the the chick who played the uh, maid on there, Conchita, whatever oh, yeah. the fuck her name is, she was yeah, she was hilarious she, on that. She show. She, she was, was actually show. probably the best part of the show. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. the show sucked, but yeah. Well, I started losing interest in it when it just seemed like every episode was about John Cryer getting pissed on. You know, it's just like this guy's never gonna catch a break. This isn't funny anymore. You know, so. But There's Rose, one- but Rose was a great character on that show. Yeah, yeah, she she plays good crazy. Oh yes. yeah, yes yeah, she does. So anyway, so she's the star of this short, holding a birthday party for her kid, um, and she goes into her husband's office and finds him dead in his chair. And so, not to uh, traumatize her child and ruin the birthday, she decides she's going to hide the body, and hilarity ensues. What did we think of this one? I actually thought it was the weakest one. Really? For some reason, it just didn't, it just didn't click with me. I don't know. Okay. I liked it. It just it was very it was very different from the rest of them. Like almost sure. barely had. I mean, the only horror element really is it's just a dead guy. A dead dude. Yeah. Well, I. Actually, the best for me, the best part of the whole uh, segment was the, I guess the the thing like the I don't know what if you want to say post credits or whatever when they're talking <laughs> about 
like talking about the daughters, like, and she something about she blocked it out or whatever. I mean, that made me laugh really fucking oh, hard. But, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just I think I was expecting it to go in a different route because I didn't trust. I don't know if she was the maid or whatever she was, but I didn't trust that lady. She was kind of weird. She seemed like, like she walked off. Seemed- she seemed Her like she walked off of a David Lynch movie or something. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, very that's Annie Clark style, St. Vincent style hairdo and all that. But yeah. Just um, her whole demeanor, though. She was just always so I prim know. and proper, but always had this like look of, there's something deeper going on with this woman. Like, I might have just murdered your husband. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. I almost kind of wondered if she was supposed to represent death or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like, I was trying to read into it, but I couldn't place you it. You might be right, though. Let's just call up St. Vincent and see what she thinks, you know? Well, here's <laughs> the It did th- seem like they were setting her up to be something more important than she actually was. But Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. If I revisit this movie, th- that's the this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. I, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite. I haven't been able to pinpoint that yet. It might be my favorite just because I always lean more towards comedy. But um, but I I I we're gonna take another look at it because it just feels like that uh, Saint Vincent, whatever the fuck her name is, is Annie was... Clark is her real name. <laughs> okay. Well, that's um, generic, Vincent. Yeah, <laughs> that, that there's some deeper things, deeper things going on in there that she's trying to say. I mean, did you notice that like all the birthday party decorations were black and white? Mm-hmm. There was like no color in any of the. It looked like the like when you go to the Hallmark store and you go to the over the hill section to buy your <laughs> to buy your yeah. uh, birthday party decor. There were really, yeah, it seemed like there were, like, stylistic choices with color, because, you know, all of the, like you said, all the decorations are black and white, that one lady is wearing black and white, the kids only in black and white, and then Mm -hmm. the mom's in color, and all of the other kids are in colorful costumes, so I don't know if that's important, or if she just thought it looked cool, or what. Yeah, who knows, right? That's a tough call. But then also the the other thing that I that caught me off guard, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my race my racist card into the conversation, <gasps> but the husband and wife were white, and the child was black, right? Obviously adopted. Or is that, is that said though? Is that said though? No, but it doesn't need to be. I mean, it's oh yeah, I didn't even think twice about it, I guess. Yeah, I just, okay, you know, so I am racist. All right, <laughs> a little bit. Sorry. I forgot about adoption. Every, everyone's a little bit racist, right? <laughs> like the Avenue I, Q song? I hate the Dutch, <laughs> yeah. so... Just kidding. Uh, again, I just thought it was a weird choice, you know? Because it's, <laughs> it's never explained why these two white people have a, a black daughter. I mean, it could be... That maybe it was a daughter from another marriage or whatever, or an adoption situation. But yeah, maybe just, they just you... opened their hearts to a needy child from another country, Mike. <laughs> I just think Agreed. that, I, and that's what I think it was. They're two rich, clearly rich white people that adopted a, a small black girl. Just or I don't know. Maybe that actor actress was the best out of the bunch, so she got the main gig. Yeah, that's <laughs> that how, could be uh, something as simple as it. that. How what's his name got it and I Living Dead? I'm totally <laughs> blanking on his name right now. Dwayne Dwayne uh Dwayne Jones. Yeah. Alright, whatever. So 
And then the other thing I thought was unusual for this one was the score. The score was great, don't get me wrong. And I don't expect like Three Stooges goofy music for for <laughs> this, but the score was way darker than the tone of the short. I thought care about it. that's nice. I like that. What? <laughs> I I I'd rather I don't know. I don't I, always want I guess I don't really even remember the score that much. Yeah. I kind of thought that just added to the comedy of it. Yeah. You know, this dark portentous music to, you know, <laughs> this poor woman <laughs> dragging her dead husband's body back and forth across the house trying to find somewhere to put it. <laughs> Yeah, or or I'm just a sick fuck. I don't know. <laughs> oh, probably. Well, You're a, yeah. I appreciate that they're trying to go really dark with the comedy. It just I don't know. It just it just didn't feel like it fit. Hmm. I, I thought it was a nice little palate cleanser. This segment after the the. Yeah, emotional depths plumbed by the first one, one right? Snooze fest yeah. that was the first one. Shut up, you heartless <laughs> bastard. <laughs> but I almost feel like, I don't know, I, I mean, when we'll talk about the other segments too, but like, I do kind of question the order a little bit. Just because, I mean, the first one I can see doing that one to kind of get your stomach in a weird gross place like going into the rest of them but then to immediate immediately provide levity for that and then have uh, the t- next two I don't know if that makes sense to anybody never mind okay I get what you're, <laughs> I get what you're saying it's just I'm I mean I don't know if it would have improved anything to have put it in a different order but I found myself thinking that after I had finished watching it like why did they put them in that order but and we haven't even brought up the the connecting little awesome stop motion stuff that stuff was really cool part that looked like a tool video yeah (laughs) a better tool video like creepy little tim burtony stop motion stuff i really like that i mean i don't know too i thought it looked cool it didn't necessarily need to to be in this film but i liked it I thought yeah. it was just, I don't know, it was kind of, well, and how it comes together at the end and everything. Like, it, yeah, it didn't need there, but I'm glad they did it. It was, it was neat. It was creepy. Yeah, very cool. Basically, what we're talking about is, like, all the transitions between segments is this, mm-hmm. like, stop motion with, like, creepy doll's heads and this whole, like, creepy doll house that's running around on its own on wheels or some crazy shit like yeah. that. It really reminds me of, I'm trying to, Look up the uh, director's name. There's a um, well. If anybody else wants to add to to the conversation while I'm doing my research, no. <laughs> well, we we can go ahead and talk about the next tool. segment. Yeah, there Start. you go. Yeah. See, I I question the order of this movie too, and not for the same reason you do. I question that maybe they should have just left this next segment out entirely. <laughs> See, I liked this one, I but I, I see why like you would it. say say that. It's very generic. Yeah. But I but don't, I enjoyed it's called it. Called Don't Fall. Yeah. 
And it was done. This one was, was the one done by uh, Roxanne Benjamin, who was also she wrote and directed this one. She also was a writer on the birthday party segment with Annie Clark. Oh, okay. And um, I tr- I tried not to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying because I did fall asleep during this one, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time though, too, it's like. Well, what do I really want? Because one of my complaints about, like, some of the thing, like, one of my complaints about, like, the ABCs of death movies, for example, is that oh. they're so, it, it's almost like whoever wrote wrote those shorts were purposely trying to be completely unconventional to the point of, like, the shit either didn't make sense or it was just dumb. And, and it felt, and I feel like a lot of current um, anthology films make those same mistakes. Like holidays had a couple that were like that. That's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're. I know what you're thinking, Brian. <laughs> I'm thinking the same one. Anyway, but uh, um, and so so now we get this one that's extremely traditional and generic. And is it too far on the other side of the spectrum? I don't know. And I I, think- I'm being harder on it than I really need to be. I mean, technically, there's nothing wrong with it. I thought it it was you know, shot and acted and everything else was just fine. It's, it was there's nothing wrong with it technically. I just like you said, it's it's so generic and the other three segments are not that it would have been fine as like a standalone movie. Like it would have been it would have been a generic standalone movie, but serviceable serviceable. But like in an anthology where you kind of expect some more experimentation, it's just kinda of like, okay, like this kind of, in a weird way, kind of reminds me of, you know, The Descent. But climbing, you know. Yeah, on the, I, I got that but, feeling I mean, too, yeah. It's not It's not bad, I, I enjoyed it, but it is, it's just generic. It doesn't seem like your usual thing for just, an anthology. It's The Hills Have Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way of putting it. And we're done. I liked the um, the one shot of the the dude getting thrown through the back window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. Oh. Yeah, I kind of wonder how they pulled that effect off because it's it's clearly not done in one go. There's a very noticeable edit in the middle of it, so they must have had. You know, maybe a video screen or a stunt guy or something in the back, like to show the body coming toward the window. And then there's the cut where the window breaks and he comes through it, but it doesn't look like it was a fluid one and done thing. So there's some kind of little trickery in there that, yeah. Yeah. I also wanted more out of the creature. Like, yeah. yeah the monster design was just kind of blah. It's like, oh, we're just going to rip off demons and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Jason, you have anything to add about that one? Uh, nope, fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> now, Don't Fall was directed by Roxanne Benjamin, who has produced a lot of stuff and and a lot of a lot of the current um, <coughs> anthology films like Southbound. Um, what's that? Love it. Yes, I love South. And she directed uh, part of it as well. 
And then she also directed all the V... Or, I'm sorry, uh, produced all the uh, VHS movies. Mm. Wow, there is a wildly varying bunch right there. No shit. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So, move on to the next one, the last one. Sure. Uh, Sure. Her shizzle. Her only living son. Now, what was this director's name again, Uh, Terry? Corinne Kusama? Yeah. I think that's right. Yep, that's correct. Good job. (laughs) Just testing you. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What? Next week we're gonna we're gonna ask you, Mike, how to say that name. (laughs) (sighs) What did we think of this one? I this was actually my favorite. Cool. Okay. I I like uh, movies. I mean, not that there's a lot, but. Her whole life and his whole life, uh, it's about a mother uh, and a son who is clearly fucking mental. I mean, he gets in trouble for pulling the fingernails off of a girl. Yeah, um, what the fuck? And nobody cares. They're just like, oh, we're just going to, yeah, we're going to brush that under the table. Uh, it's, It's like they live in this world where everybody knows the true nature of this boy, and they're trying to ensure and protect it's it's almost like it's got elements of um in a weird way the boys from brazil okay has anybody seen that movie where they try to uh essentially recreate hitler oh like use it i think they use his dna and then they try to like at key moments in his life like do different tragedies and whatnot but anyway uh everybody else around them knows what's going on Except for the boy, and the mom kind of has an inkling, I think. But uh, yeah, basically, uh, the boy is—I'd say—the Antichrist. Yes, or could be yeah. Antichrist. It's um, like the aftermath of Rosemary's Baby, or yeah, something. Yeah, I was gonna say this yeah, movie like, felt like this was like old. this movie felt like a fan a fan film sequel to Rosemary's Baby to me. That's a good way of putting it, actually. I just want to thank the director for not doing a close-up uh, nail removal. <laughs> so thank you for that. Because I was waiting for it. Because there were oh. plenty of opportunities for that. I mean, I was grossed out enough by just the old nails in a box. I didn't want to see it. So. If there's Thanks. one thing that creeps me out, it's anything with fingernails. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with Gary. But it wasn't <laughs> necessary. It just would have been, you know... If Joe D'Amato had made this movie, you would have seen the nails get ripped off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it would have lingered on it for like five minutes. And John would have shut off the movie and thrown up for an hour. Yeah, I liked the the overall mood of this one. Like, and I love the ending. Yeah, oh, totally. She loves her son so much. Despite the fact that he's, you know, evil. I I just sat there the whole time and and I was like, oh, he's going to kill her or something. Like, that's how it would seem like it would be like the generic ending is that he'd kill her and go do evil things. But that's not what happens. And I liked it. Yeah, that that was neat. The fact that, that he decided that, you know, he loved her so much, too, that... Basically, the love between a mother and a son annoyed the devil to the point of just going, fuck it, I'll start over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good... Exactly. 
it was it was just a really really solid solid movie. I mean, it, it wouldn't need anything longer than it was. I mean, it's I'm glad that this was a, a short and an anthology because yeah. drawing this out would have padded it so much that it would have just been annoying. There would have been so much useless shit. I mean, they got to the point, like right to the point. He pulled the fingernails, all the fingernails off of a girl. He's fucked up. And yeah, they they give you all the shit you need in what like fifteen minutes or whatever the length was. Mm-hmm. It was it was really well done. I was it was definitely my favorite of the of the uh, uh, movie. Yeah, because had they had this been done as a full movie, you know they would have tried to draw the mystery out longer, which means yeah. it would have been a whole bunch of just them going through different schools and all the horrible things mm-hmm. he did to his classmates yeah. until it was just like we don't even care what happens to this kid anymore. Just shut the fuck up. Which <laughs> means just... it would have which means it would have been the Babadook. But yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> I just I just love the scene where the principal is in there with the, the two mothers and you're like, okay, so something bad happened, and then the 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 other mothers was like, he pulled out my daughter's fingernails, <laughs> and the principal's like, oh, so what's the big problem? They'll grow yeah. back. Boys will It's like, oh, he just he just likes her. That's all. Like, Maybe she should <laughs> apologize to him for starting it. And yeah. that was that was the point where this really grabbed me too, because up until then I was like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, oh shit, something is seriously going oh, on, and now I want to know what what, yeah. what, does, what does he have over these people to to? You know. And what else has that principal been in? I recognize her from stuff, and I cannot fucking think of it. But oh, I just yeah. Oh, so he pulled your daughter's fingernails out. Deal with it. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's like any, one of the worst things you could do. Has anyone else here read the novel Good Omens? No, no we're not nerds. Okay. It, it, it's a collaboration between Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. And, and the idea behind it basically is, what if the omen happened, but the devil cult nurse assistant fucked up and gave the wrong baby to the wrong people, so that the Antichrist goes to this perfectly nice, normal, middle-class family and just a regular kid gets given to the devil cult to be trained as the Antichrist. <laughs> that, yeah, so, I didn't read that. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. And I kept thinking of that though, it, through this whole thing. It was like, I mean, and there was nothing funny in this, but just because of what it wound up being, then I started thinking about that. And it's like at one point, you know, the 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 hellhound Rottweiler that's supposed to be Damien's buddy shows up to to do the bidding of the Antichrist. But because the Antichrist is being raised by this nice, prim, proper, middle-class British family, it just turns out to be a nice puppy that plays fetch with him. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds awesome. Yeah, I need to read that. Cool. Okay. So, um, again, the transitions. I, I found the guy's name that I was looking for. He's a he's a director from the Czech Republic. Um, he did. He's done a lot of uh, really bizarre avant-garde like animated films where it's all stop motion. And it really reminded, you know, the transitions in this film really reminded me of his stuff. I'm not going to say this name right at all. (coughs) Um, uh, Jan 
Meyer Jer Bergville. <laughs> that but, totally was dead on, dude. I don't know when <laughs> he directed he, it. He made a movie called Alice, which was um, Alice of Alice of Wonderland, but it was like all the all the creatures of Wonderland are stop stop motion, like very creepy, like <clears throat> the white rabbit is this taxidermied rabbit in like a coat and hat with these just <laughs> dead fucking eyes and like and like creepy dolls and shit. So it's a very disturbing version of Alice. Very creepy. He did this other movie called um uh what was it called Greedy Guts, I think it was. Yeah, Greedy Guts, it's about this husband and wife who uh, can't have children. So the husband digs up this tree root and they treat it like a baby until it starts to come to life. And he's that done like sounds awesome. Yeah. Dish. He's I done think. like all these bizarro, like really creepy short films that I don't know if they're intended to be creepy, but just <laughs> what he's using to animate it just is very disturbing. You guys would love it. I think you'd really dig some of his stuff, especially the short so films. Saying, are you saying that it's possible he was doing this thinking it was gonna be cute? So I don't know. <laughs> But like those fucking freeze-dried gerbils from the Quiznos commercials about ten years ago. <laughs> I thought they were cute. Oh, I'm just kidding. He did a short. He did a short film called Meat Love, where it was two chunks of meat that fall in love with each other. <laughs> That's hot. It's it sounds like me and Brian. I think uh, you guys would really dig this guy's <laughs> this guy's stuff. You should really check it out. But anyway, so the stop motion kind of reminded me a lot of that. Of this guy's, if this guy's work. I'm totally, yeah, I'm, of course I want to see this stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, XX as a whole, what do you guys think? Half and half. I liked it. I'd say three out of four. I I dig it. Jason? I've, um... He doesn't remember. I saw the first one and fell asleep. Oh, you didn't make it through any of it? No. After that? Okay. I mean, I was in and out, but I, it was kind of boring and slipped through. Okay. I will say that watching, like, and I think I even messaged Brian, I think I told him that I was, like, really fucking bored right off the bat. I still don't really truly care for the birthday party one, but hearing other people discuss the first one does make me appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. I still don't think I'm a fan of that one, but there were elements that were fucked up, but yeah. Yeah, and it's possible that... I appreciate it a little bit more now. It's possible that you kind of helped lower my expectations for it, too, when you sent me that message saying you were bored. So when I sat down and watched it, I I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I thought, well, John doesn't like it. And we like a lot of the same stuff, so maybe this one is meh. And then I wound up really liking it. But then I wound up being pretty cold on another one that you love, so... Yeah. Well, but I get why you don't... I mean... I get why you don't like it. It's it's very valid. But the but I think we can all agree, or most of us can agree, that the last one is really fucking solid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But perfect in a short like no more oh, yeah, what no it more. is. Yeah. Anything else, it just would have sucked, but it's it's perfect the way it is. Very well done. So I I'd have to say I like this more than than probably a lot of other more modern day horror anthology films. 
I like it better than Holidays or... That's not saying much. Either of the ABC's of Death movies. Once again, not saying much. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's better than... What was that? What was that Christmas one? A Christmas Horror Story? The one with I love the, that one. The Krampus vs. Santa Claus one was, was the best part, but other than that... I loved that one. You okay. just suck. Alright, <laughs> Well, so that's XX. Woo. Who wants to bring up another film? Terry, why don't you go? Um, okay. Um, did everyone watch Prevenge? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Jason and, and I watched it last I... night. Yep. That's okay. the one that I said I was cold on that John likes. So. Oh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I love, so cool. I love this one. I'm also a huge fan of Al Slow, so... Yeah, I really liked it, too. She oh. bears a frightening resemblance to Elizabeth Sladen, who played Sarah Jane Smith on Doctor Who, Jason. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Jason, you were um, you were awake through this one. I know I sat <laughs> next to you. Yep. But we didn't talk about it afterwards like we usually do, and uh-huh. I think that's because we knew we had this show coming up. Uh-huh. So I've been dying to know what your thoughts were. Well, I've been dying to know what your thoughts were. I asked you first. I thought oh I liked gosh. it. I was gonna be arguing. No, it was it was good. <laughs> it was funny. I mean, at least I watched it. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you were, you were awake for it. You were typing the, the whole time. Right, I know. I watched it. You were there for it. You were, anyway. I can multitask. I don't believe you, but anyway, I know you heard Not it. Not like you weren't on your phone through. I heard it, too. too. So there. No, it's, it's good. It's funny. I liked it. I just didn't, the ending, I didn't, I didn't get. I so liked I, the ending. I didn't understand. Well, Terry, since you brought this one up, I, I should give you a chance to explain the movie. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, well, there's this lady, and she's pregnant. And she's going around murdering people. Um, we find out eventually that um, the reason that she is murdering these people is because they were responsible for her um, significant other dying in a rock climbing accident they they cut him loose so they could survive and so she's going around and killing all of them but you don't but you don't learn that again towards the end you think the whole motivation this whole time of her killing these people is because the baby's telling her to do it oh well i mean they kind of hint at a lot of it earlier like you know that she's taking revenge for something yeah well yeah um but yeah and the baby is quote unquote talking to her from the womb and encouraging her to murder these people um but it's very it's not uh serious i mean it is and it is it's just very dark dark comedy mm-hmm. um 
It's funny, yeah. It is, it is. Um, and it's all done by, what was her name, Alice Lowe? Is that right? Yeah, she wrote, she it is very wrote much directed pregnant. and starred in it. And was actually seven months pregnant. Yep. Oh, she was actually pregnant? That's yep. awesome. Yeah, they shot this movie, and I think in the, the trivia says, like... 11 days. Two weeks? 11 days. Yep. And it kind of has that, like, a very independent film, but very well done. Like, had a better budget. Yeah. <laughs> Something you guys don't know about. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. That's true. That's true. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's true. Love you guys. <clears throat> very, um, lots of, I mean, it's, she's, I'm, I'm guessing, just British. I don't. Yeah, um, she's, you know, general. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of humor as well, which I love. Cool. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's the gist. And you 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 like this one? I did. Yeah. Awesome. And John, you liked it too, right? Oh yeah. Like I said, I'm already a huge fan of hers anyway. Just. From the the little roles that she's had through throughout the years of TV shows and movies, she's uh, briefly in uh, Hot Fuzz, and so she's friends with a lot oh, yeah. of those guys like Simon Pegg and uh, Edgar I Wright. Knew she looked people. familiar. Yeah, that's she's probably been, where I she's know. She's been her. around for you know for quite a while, um, but yeah, when I heard that she was doing her own movie. I was really, really excited, and she did not disappoint. She did not let me down, especially at the end when she when she goes to the Halloween party or the costume party, and she does the weird makeup and yeah, you know, yeah, cre- creepy as hell. I mean, the whole movie it it's it's funny, but it's it's just to me more of just a full on dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. never feels like a real horror movie, but. Like, the one guy she goes home with and ends up murdering, he doesn't even realize that she's pregnant. He thinks she's just fat. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm DJ Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and then his, his, like, poor, like, two-foot-tall mom is in the other room and shit. Like, oh, my God, it's so fucking weird and dark. But, oh, when <laughs> he realizes that she's actually pregnant, God, that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, I love I love the movie and the, just she's very mental. It's the yeah. way I like my women. A Shutter <laughs> exclusive. Yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah, this was this was a, sh- a Shutter exclusive. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. Shutter. Coming a very cool thing now. I've I've seen that they've announced a couple of others that'll be exclusives eventually too. So they're they're oh, definitely nice. getting out there, like up there in terms yeah. of. Just yeah, as a streaming competing service. with Netflix in a way, yeah, they're yeah. definitely they're definitely a top it's contender your, when it. It's your home I mean, for obviously horror. can't compete with you know Netflix. They're just so big, but yeah, they're definitely pulling some shit in. It's nice. But Netflix doesn't really have that much horror content anymore. No, Shutter, Shutter's got some amazing stuff on there. It really does. No, yeah. do, but you know what I mean. Like just in terms of what they can actually get. Yeah, well, and I'm that, put it to you this way: Which service can you watch Burial Ground on? Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what's, and that's what's great too. The bigger that shutter gets, you know, the thing that I fear is, you know, when something gets too big, it like kind of forgets its roots a little bit, 
And mm-hmm. like they're still, but they still stream a lot of Jalo films. They still, you know, they still have like Necromantic on there, and so like they, they keep getting bigger. But they're still, they're still keeping that trash cinema as part of their service too. And I'm like, thank God for that, you know. Well, they're they're still pretty new, regardless. Like they've got a long ways to go, I think, before they get jaded about things. But yeah, and um, I hope they because <laughs> they, I mean. Up until, like, a year or two ago, it was still, like, a beta program. <laughs> like, they were offering it up for free for a while. So, yeah. I think that we'll at least have a good shutter for a while, hopefully. I hope it always stays good. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, and I hope... Because, you know, they kind of started the exclusive thing, as far as I remember, with Rob Zombie's 31. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was a good jumping off point, but since then, they've seems like they've been doing more like indie stuff so i hope they continue to do that yeah exactly i mean not that it wouldn't be cool to see some bigger titles on there but that's when it's gonna start getting you know well and like revenge is in a i'd say kind of in a way a a fairly difficult movie to market to america (laughs) so i mean it's this might have been their only choice to really get any recognition here in the U.S. Hmm. I mean, point. they could have gone through Amazon, but maybe Amazon didn't, you know, couldn't give them a good deal or whatever. You know, it just it worked out for them. It's going to work out for Shutter because there are a lot of people, obviously, that like you know British dark comedies, and so I think it's going to help out everybody involved. Shutter's freaking awesome. Just bring back the view all button. Right? Yeah, that I'm that I am pissed about. Yeah. It's not as easy to surf through anymore. You can't just do a view all and look at their entire catalog. It's bullshit. Bullshit. I think you can if you go into like a web browser instead of but, on the app. But oh. Mike doesn't understand things. Yeah. No, not really. What are things? Um, <laughs> what are numbers? Well, thing, things are these weird creatures in this Canadian uh, horror movie. <laughs> but, J- so, Jason, oh. you say yeah. you don't. The ending you, we didn't make sense to me. Well, because like, she does. Because okay, the, she's her, had the baby. Her man's and, on the ledge. Right. Well, she's just had the baby, and she realizes that the baby talking. wasn't pushing her to do any of this that she was killing these That's... people for revenge for her and so she kind of has this epiphany moment out on the ledge where she just doesn't give a shit and just starts going crazy because earlier in the movie she does the she raises her arms and does the crazy face when uh-huh. she's watching that movie in the midst of her killing spree and so I just Assumed that she was gonna shove him off the ledge. That's oh, she clearly shoves him off the edge. Yeah. I mean, it's without. A she doubt. just went back to Crazy Town, and <laughs> I don't even know why they 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 cut away and shit because like it, we all know it. Well, I just thought it, I thought it was a fun ending. I like. Oh, I mean, no, not a bad ending, pushed, but like. But... Sometimes it's one of those things. Like so it's so it's, obvious what's actually gonna happen. It was her accepting her craziness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's just like fuck it. 
Well, Why I, not? I, mean, I, I get the that. last guy just, <laughs> on her list. When that happened, I was just like, and who oh, knows? Maybe she'll stop after that, or she's just going to continue on until she gets shot. <laughs> oh, but he was the la- he was the last guy to have been involved with her husband's yeah. death, wasn't he? He was yeah. like the main. He was the guy in charge, so and that was so, her last guy. When they show her husband's death, that was pretty fucked up. Oh yeah, yeah his like his brains yeah. are fucking oh, hanging yeah. out. He's like still kind of alive. Like holy shit! Yeah, it was a little gross. Yeah, like for for a dark comedy. I just didn't because it, because it was her husband at first, and then it was the other guy. So I was just like, "What's going on?" Oh. And which which what's she seeing? So. This is why you stay awake movies it just was a coincidence that they were out in the same at the same area like they were yeah. going out there to contemplate at the same time and but she gonna she gonna push him she she gonna believe that <laughs> True cool so, so yeah, everybody should see it it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far wow nice so that it might make your uh, top 10 by the end of the year you think oh it'll make my top 10 for sure Oh, but okay. I also kind of have a crush on Alice Lowe, so yeah. Okay, gotcha. You could see your nipples a little bit in it, too, when she's in the bathtub. Yeah. Prego yeah. nipples? Yeah. Yeah. Terry's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going off this show. <laughs> so, so we've heard from the positive. Let's go to the negative, Brian. We don't need to listen to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even have that much to say i just i don't know i mean the performances were all good she's fantastic dj it's just, dan dj dan was hilarious i will say that but yeah. uh, uh, but he's so fucking annoying but other than oh, yeah. him like i mean you know it's everyone's talking about and not just you guys but i'm pretty sure it's even billed as a dark comedy on shutter and uh, i don't know none of the jokes landed i didn't find any of it funny and I wasn't that interested in her motivation. And especially once we find out, you know, it's nothing to do with the baby. She's just nuts. I'm like, okay, so now you're such a shitty mom. Your baby's born and you don't even care enough to stop killing so you can take care of your kid and not go to jail. I mean, Whoa. granted, if, you're mo- if, you're, granted if, if your mom's nuts, you're better off being raised by a foster family anyway. But it right. was like how to fail the Bechdel test of the motion picture where her entire motivation is just, you took my man from me. Fucking buck up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you act like you're the only person that's ever lost somebody. Oh, sorry. Everybody's that. got Good. dead people, but it's no excuse to get everyone else dead along the way. No, she was just crazy. So I'm going to have to come in uh, maybe more on uh, Brian's side on this one. Um, oh. See, I didn't hate it. Terry and I agree on something. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I, I, it felt a little too dry for me. Mm. Like, I, I'm with Brian. The humor didn't hit, at, you know, at all times. <laughs> there was a few moments that I thought was hilarious. My favorite scene, and to me was the best example of British humor, was the scene with, with the... Uh, with the woman in her apartment with the boxing gloves. Oh, where she gets crushed yeah. in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was like pretty she's, dark. She's talking to her <laughs> yeah. and she keeps punching her in the face. And, like, that was that was funny. 
And, and then, come on, Yara, Yara Greyjoy could have kicked her ass. In real yeah. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Oh yeah, that's where I yeah, recognized her. There was, and then the um, other woman in the other office was also on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah. Crazy tower lady. Lisa Aaron. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, a yes. lot of times I would laugh out loud, and then I'd look over, and you just, you just wouldn't be. Yeah, I just, like, it just didn't connect as a laugh out loud. I mean, it was funny, but not like laugh out loud moments. There was a couple moments. There was that scene in particular, all the way up through her trying to climb out of the doggy door, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And kind of suspenseful at the same time, because another problem... Like, oh my I, god, is she going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Another problem I had with it on the opposite side of it, on the maybe on the more horror side or the dark side of it, it just didn't really feel that dark to me or horror-y to me in the fact that there's there was there was never any sense of consequence for what she was doing. Like she killed the woman in the office in the middle of the day when there's obviously other people in the office. No, she building. said that she was alone. In their conversation, sure, they talked about how she was all alone there. Yeah, that that's true. But it's still, it's just like, it just it just feels like. All like, I can think of is this. She's just walking around all willy nilly, so killing quickly. people without any. Yeah, it, it just well, and it just yeah, happens like no so quickly within her. a few days that like nobody has really connected anything yet. It's kind of the same problem I have with, and this is probably going to be blasphemy, but with American Psycho. Because all the kills in that, there's like, there's never any of like, oh, I should worry about covering my tracks, or maybe I shouldn't like, just randomly throw this chainsaw down the. Crazy, they don't care. And it's also because in American Psycho, it's all in his head. Yes, I understand. I understand that. That's how. That's that's how I've always felt. Oh, I I totally, I totally agree. But it lacks any, any real tension or any suspense. I kind of felt the same way with this, and the only reason, oh, and the other reason why I like the doggy door scene because you can hear the sirens coming, and it actually felt like you can hear you can hear the guy, the police pounding on the door, and it actually felt like a little bit of a tense moment there. Sure, yeah, I felt like that was kind of the the climax of the movie, and no one say anything about me saying climax. Um, but well, now we will. <laughs> Uh, you know, if you had just uh, not said anything, I know, really I know. Um, but yeah, because that that was definitely the most suspenseful, and and like we were just saying, you know, that seemed like the one with the most comedy. It was just more high energy for that particular scene. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she's then she's like walking down the street with like a bloody nose and the sirens in the background and. Nobody suspects a pregnant woman killing people. Yeah, exactly. This is what it comes down to. <laughs> it just at least I don't not know. yet. It's, it's a perfect cover. It felt a <laughs> yeah. little. It felt a little anti anticlimactic, building up to the kills. And, you said climactic. And no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done, Terry. Now it's just going to be nothing uh, the rest of the show. Yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> and and no suspense after the kills, except for like the doggy door scene. And the other other scene that I thought was funny. But also goes against my my dislike of the you know the um, the anti now I don't want to say climactic but uh, <laughs> it was the old, was was uh, DJ DJ Dan's mother I thought she, uh, that when she comes out and he's dead on the floor and he's just like 
and she all she says is something about like getting red on the carpet or something like that. Oh, well, I, I, she's... Thought, I thought that was funny, but then at the same time, yeah. it's like okay, well she can just she can just kill people. There's no build up to the kills. No she can just kill these people, well, that, and there's well, no pay the price for it. Had, like, dementia or oh i know we can we can explain why she doesn't get caught in every single death scene every single kill scene that doesn't make it any more suspenseful or tense just because we can explain why she gets away with it sometimes i just want to see uh a pregnant woman killing people is that is that so wrong i think it's really it's just more of a one-sided movie you have you're you're dealing with what she's seeing what her crazy head is going through where she's going who she's killing just it's all her you're not you're just not seeing any of the outside perspective is all it is doesn't yeah. mean it's not there sure i totally it's agree just, with it's just in a very very short period of time it could be like. taking place literally within just a few days yeah exactly there's I, there's a reason why she's you know hasn't been caught yet it's like Look. right up until you know the uh, the child's actually born. So I mean, it could be three or four days. I mean, they filmed it in eleven. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree, hundred percent with everything you guys are saying. I thought I that like some some of the funniest parts were with the um, in the doctor's office, like that midwife or yeah, <laughs> like she was just kind of oblivious to everything and. I don't know. She was well, like how she's like. I don't want you to re- basically. I don't want you to report me. I don't want you to report me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't talk about me. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, what the fuck? Maybe we can get real for a second and talk about your racism. Is it have what anything? The fuck. Does it have anything to do with being able to understand their accent? That's why you did it. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, okay. I was just checking. I love oh, Monty Python. So does everybody else. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really glad. I kind of like, I know Brian's against the whole, oh, she's just crazy thing. But I was kind of glad that it wasn't like a demon child or yeah. something. I would have been so disappointed if that was what it really was. It was much better just being nuts. Yeah. To be oh, fair, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered either way. I still would have found the movie dull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, that. <laughs> And I'm with you, Brian, you know? It's like, we can say why she doesn't get caught. That doesn't make the movie all the more enjoyable. I'm taking away my love from Brian. And, you know, that said, I will happily watch the next thing she does, because there is enough good about it to make me curious to see where she's going next. It's not like it's a write-off. But the next thing, it'll probably be full-on comedy. And that's fine. Maybe she's better at that. Oh. And it... It is an amazing piece of work. Like it, it, considering all the limitations, it, the movie looks great, and it has some mm-hmm. very, very well shot. some very great moments in it. And I love the concept of the movie. Yeah, it's well shot. Such a such a neat, unique concept for the film. And I'm with you, Terry. I agree. I I I like the fact that it wasn't that it wasn't a demon baby. That it was just her. I like those kind of movies where it's like, dwell, you know, going into the madness, and you know, it's something. If it's like inanimate object talks to this person, or somebody sees an imaginary giant rabbit, or you know, or the fact that it's your unborn baby, you know, that's something that hasn't been done before. 
um, you know, and the fact that it was shot in 11 days, and it's hard enough to, like, write, direct, and star in your film, but then be pregnant, seven months pregnant at the same time, you know, kudos to her. I I really think she um, is going to show us some amazing, more amazing stuff down the road. I agree. All right, so what's next? Who's next? Uh, John, how about you bring up oh, the movie? Well, I'm, I'm going to tag team this one with Brian. Oh, yeah. Because Brian and I <laughs> like tag team. Wait, that sounded wrong. Uh, <laughs> Tenement. Yes. It's not exactly a horror film, but you definitely could fucking say that it is. It is it, by it's a, a survival horror. If you can call something yeah. like Last House on the Left a horror movie, then this is also a horror movie. You, you do have a good point with survival horror. Uh, Tenement, was it Game of Survival? Is yeah. the mm-hmm. Yeah. So take it away, Brian, because i I got to go back. <laughs> Bad timing. This, right. is, this is R- Roberta... Uh, yeah, this is Roberta Findlay. Findlay. Uh, this is from, I believe, 1986. Uh, so directed almost 10 years after her husband, Michael, was sliced to pieces in a freak helicopter accident. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. Um, it takes place entirely, as you would guess from the title, in a tenement building in New York City, a very slummy, low-grade tenement building, where in the basement it has been sort of taken over by the street gang. And uh, the movie opens as we see the gang just kind of messing around in the basement, you know, shooting rats and f- just fucking around. And cop cars pull up. Well, the landlord has finally decided to listen to his tenants' complaints and try to kind of clean things up a little bit. And you see a lot of the shots of the outside of the building, too. I mean, and it is a fucking slum. Like, if they built a crack den across the street from it, the property values would go up a little. That's how bad this place is. <laughs> so <clears throat> the cops come, and they they bust all of them. But because they figure they're just busting these scumbag street trash, they don't need to worry too much about proper procedure they're just like you know fuck you punks get in the car well they don't charge them with anything upon arresting them and they fail to mirandize them even though one of the gang members says so are you going to mirandize us so i mean he lays it right out there for him and the cops fuck it up so not five minutes after they get back to the precinct uh the gang are like we want lawyers you didn't do this right or you know we'll press charges against you and the cops have to let them go well, because the landlord was bragging in their faces the whole time they were getting hauled into the cop cars about how he finally got them out of his building, guess where they decide to go back to? <laughs> <laughs> and not only are they taking it out on him, but everyone else in the building. Now, the people in this building are mostly single mothers with young children or elderly people living on fixed incomes who can't go anywhere else. So there's not a great deal of resistance to be put up from these people or so you would think, but they enlist the help of the building's handyman, Mr. Washington, who you, you kind of expect to be set up at some point that, cause he's like a big buff Fred Williamson type of dude. Right. Yeah. And, and you think that maybe they're going to say like, Oh, you know, he's ex special forces or whatever. No, he's nope. just a guy who wants to live his life and be left the fuck alone. And he's so fed up with all of the shit that goes on in this building that he's like, fine, we're going to fight back against these fuckers. And it, and it becomes, uh, you know, 
Slumlord Home Alone, basically, where they, they you know they rig bed frames to the stairwells and electrify them, and they oh, set oh, them trap. That people. part is nasty. <laughs> and it, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically just we gotta get upstairs, block as many of the stairwells as we can, and hold out until dawn when you know hopefully we can get out of here and and attract some attention and get the police to come save us. And I mean, it is. It's a brutal movie. There's a lot of blood in it. There's a short but very nasty rape scene. I mean, it's like I was saying, if you can call Last House on the Left a horror movie, then so can you with this. And it's, you know, there's people getting impaled. There's disembowelings. There's horrible things done with a broomstick. Castration? Yeah. Yeah. For It's easily Roberta Findlay's best movie because she... um, you know, her and her husband Michael made a lot of mostly roughies and sexploitation movies. They did some horror stuff like uh, Shriek of the Mutilated, but and and they're they're all very low budget. And this is no different. But they're all most of their movies. I will say the Flesh trilogy are also maybe just about on par with this. Those are really good too. But um, most of their movies just have that very let's just crank it out and you know, make some money kind of feel. But this one, the performances are all really, really good, like way better than any performances in any of the other movies she had a hand in. And she made, it's hard to tell exactly how many movies Roberta Fenley made because she used pseudonyms a lot. So the, the, the low count, the estimation is around 50, but she probably worked on more than that under different names. Um, but yeah, this this is fantastic. Like I said, just great performances all around. Some really brutal violence. Well, the the rape scene that you mentioned, um, there's actually, I think they said it in the trivia that it's kind of based on the uh, the rape, and it's it's a quote unquote famous rape that happened, rape slash murder that happened in the '60s, where supposedly like. Oh God! There's actually a documentary on it, and I'd have to remember the, all the details. But like, a, a certain number of people like supposedly witnessed it and did nothing. Uh-huh. Do you know? You guys know what I'm talking about? I it, think it was so. a famous rape slash murder in the '60s. There's mm-hmm. uh, the documentary is on Netflix, but basically, like thirty some people witnessed this woman getting raped, yeah. did nothing. The she, guy leaves, comes back, and then it's Kenny Genovese. Yeah, thank you. But she wasn't um, raped. I think she was just murdered. Yeah, it was tough. But yeah, uh, it was the the rape and murder was like slightly based on that. Uh, and I think one of the things I read that Roberta like in a way based a lot of what went on, just like the the roughness and shit like that, like was based on like her upbringing in in New York and whatnot. I mean. I just, believe it. I mean, just people I, I, being shit stains. I mean, the, just the sleazy, fucking nastiest parts of New York, brought to the the screen or small screen because I don't know how much of a release this really got. But and, it's and just, yeah, go. You, oh, I was just gonna say you can really tell the difference between a New York horror movie and a horror movie made anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is one of the New Yorkiest New York horror movies. <laughs> it's, it's just fucking nasty. I mean, there... It's... Even when the uh, the survivors are doing well, it's still not uplifting. There is nothing uplifting about this movie. 
I, I even, will say there is one uplifting point in the movie when the spunky old lady smacks that dude in the nuts with a baseball bat. That true. made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fucking hilarious. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, even when, even at the end, like, they're like, all right, we survived, but fuck, we lost people. You know, this was disgusting. It's a horrible night. I mean, and the, so the whole building died. is basically ruined. So, like, yeah, there's nothing left for them. Like, yeah, we survived, but oh, what do we do now? Because our home is destroyed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Top, top marks for Tenement. You should all check it out. It's awesome. I mean, the the special effects aren't particularly great. I mean, the the quality of the blood <laughs> varies from scene to scene. I mean, at one point, it looks like tomato soup. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of temper paint thrown around on that. Yeah, show. I mean, but, it's but it's, the attitude that it's thrown around with, like yeah. because this movie has such a mean spirit at the center of it, you can kind of forgive it that because it it really sells the violence, even if the blood doesn't look realistic. Well, the uh, the the part with the drug addict, drug addict and his uh, his girlfriend, who is the prostitute, like he switches the drugs with. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he's... Yeah. Rat poison. Yeah, rat poison. And the d- dude's like, where are the drugs? Where are the drugs? And he's like, uh, you know, he finds them, and then he shoots up. And it's fucking nasty and violent how he dies. I mean, he's, like, puking up blood and, like, shaking all over the ground. And that, yeah. the uh, the drug addict is actually the guy who plays Skank in The Crow, which is probably the most famous actor from the movie. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And that's one of the examples I was talking about, too, of how good the performances was. Like, it would be real easy to oversell that, you know, death by shooting up rat poison and make it cheesy and dumb. But it it comes off like the guy's really in pain. Like, it like, looks it, yeah. really bad. <laughs> it's Man. just over the top enough. Like, I don't know. It's, it's nasty. It's pretty goddamn nasty. And I was going to ask, because I had never heard of this before. And so my only, my only frame of reference is the kind of the, the the shitty looking poster art that's on IMDb. Uh, yeah. That's why I bought it. Well, yeah, that would totally draw me in too. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to know, I wanted to know if like, um, if the production value reflected that cover. Um. I don't know. Have you it's, seen any of other any of the other Findlay movies? I don't, especially know. ones from around the eighties. I'm trying to think uh, if I have. I'm going back to. I have a, a list of her stuff written down. I here. mean, it, it Blood, it's still Blood shot Sisters. on film. It's, I think it's, it's yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. It's it's shot on film. It's not a on a you know a video thing, which around that time you would almost expect it to be. So she was still you know a, properly a filmmaker. She was using. I'm pro, glad it pro, wasn't video. But, yeah, it would have sucked if it was on video. Yeah. So, it, I mean, yeah, it's you don't go into a movie like this, especially by a filmmaker like her, expecting it to look shiny, but then you wouldn't want a nasty New York grindhouse movie to look shiny. Oh, sure. It, it, is, it, it is every bit as gross-looking as you would want it to look. How about that? Well, and it's almost <laughs> got a documentary feel. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Like, it's oh, not like... It's not like oh this this shot is set up so well to you know it's it's almost got a sh- not a shaky cam feel but just you know more kind of, in kind the of handheld yeah yeah the, ca- the camera's the very lively yeah yeah 
And it's uh, it's just a fucking nasty film. And the way the uh, I'm trying to think of the the gang leaders, I'm trying to think of his name, but Chaco. Like, even, yeah, Chaco. Even his girlfriend's treated like shit. Like she's his girlfriend, but she's still below the other guys. Like they try to feed her dog food, like shove her face into dog food at one point. Uh, but then their the, their weird relationship, like. They like spreading blood all over each other. <laughs> yeah, the, the scene where he's just wiping blood all over her boobs. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Which, yeah, since, and it ha- kind of happens more than once. Oh, totally, totally. She's, you know, <laughs> she's a you know leather clad Hispanic, you know, with showing her boobs, covered in blood. You know, the usual eighties uh, uh, New York kind of feel. But like, yeah, there's just nobody's afraid of the blood. They're just like, yep, it's blood. It's all over my hands. Who cares? Let's make and out. There's a lot blood. of that. Like that one guy who kills the dog coats himself in the blood too. Like there's a lot of. It's almost like war paint for these, for this gang. He fucking bathes in that shit. When they show him laughing, it's it's not like he like stripes it on his face. He's like doused in the blood yeah. of this poor poor uh, dog that was owned by a blind man. That's that's the one part of the movie that bothers me, but anytime an animal dies. Yeah. But they, they show, I mean, for a split second, they show his corpse, like skinned corpse, don't they? Yeah, just, it, I mean, for like brutal. two frames. It's, it's, it's quick. Mer- mercifully brief, yes. Thank God, because I, I would, yeah, I probably would have shut the movie off after that. I can handle everything else, but you kill an animal and we're done. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've been wanting to check out more of her stuff. I think Blood Sisters is the only one I've seen. Yeah, you also have the Joe Bob Briggs commentary DVD. I don't have that one though. Oh, that, that's a lot of fun. I know. Give some great info on that disc. All of his stuff is awesome. I, I, I need to get it. I'm kind of filling up my Amazon card at the moment, so I'm going to put that in there too. <laughs> <clears throat> and Tenement, you, you, you have Tenement on disc, don't you, Johns? So I just saw it on YouTube. I didn't realize yeah, it had yeah. DVD. I, but who yeah, I bought one? it a, a couple... Um, I'm not sure where my disc is oh, at. Okay. I just I happened to see the cover and like read everything, you know, like all the the stuff on the back of it. And I'm like, I need to own this movie. And it was like 10 bucks. Like, oh, it's violent? They couldn't rate it? <laughs> Shit, yeah, I want this. <laughs> yeah, this is... Yeah, I've seen enough of the stuff she was involved in obviously somebody makes you know a minimum of 50 movies you're not going to see their entire catalog but a lot of them probably can't even be found anymore i'd be wouldn't be surprised but out of the stuff of hers that i have seen i've probably seen i don't know at least 10 of them or so this is far and away the best one it it really is honestly a good fucking flick and i'd I'd really like to uh see somebody do a a deluxe blu-ray of it like, yeah, it's not like cool. it's going to look great, but just, like, some good special features, something about her work and the film. Because it's, it's good. It's nasty. It's fucking nasty. Yeah, seriously, I um, just put Blood Sisters into my Amazon cart, and then um, Tenement came up as a recommend, so I'm going to add that, too. 
Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking oh, at the Shriek's, cover. Real What's quick, that? Shriek Show is the one that put it out. The Blood, the blood Sisters? Shriek. No, uh, uh, Tenement. They Shriek put out, Show. They put out Tenement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. And they, you know, for people like us, they, they do good work. I, I've been a fan of theirs since, like, back when they first released, like, a zombie DVD, you know? Like, when, oh, they, yeah, first yeah. Restart, when they first started putting out... Italian shit, and then like they couldn't yeah. do, they couldn't do ro- any wrong for me after that. So when I see their stuff, I tend to at least go, uh, "Should I buy this?" Like, you know, maybe do a little research on it. But yeah, they're definitely one of those companies. that's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to look into this. Yeah, I I will I will buy it. sometimes just seeing the Shriek, Shriek Show label is enough sell to me than the actual title of the oh, movie. Yeah. So. Well, and that's how I was with uh, uh, Synapse back in the day. Mm, I saw yeah. something Synapse or, uh, uh, well, to a lesser extent, Tokyo Shock. Yeah, which is still a, a subsidiary of of uh, Media Blasters, which is where Shriek yeah. Show comes from. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Shock got a little deep on some of the on some of the Asian cinema that I didn't really care too much. You know. They had a lot of good stuff on there, but more selective stuff. But still, yeah, yeah. it would it would make me stop and look. Like, hey, maybe. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Jason, is there a, is there one you want to bring up? Well, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> oh God. Well, there's two. Well, I guess I'll just wait until one comes up and. Uh, talk about the one that I did like, and it was called Humanoids from the Deep. Woo! I enjoyed that. Yes, my first oh, time. That movie is so good. I'm right. so glad you liked it. I yeah. I got <laughs> notes on this one, so I need to turn off uh, my Amazon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to describe it? I don't know how. Uh, it's beautiful. That that's how you describe it. When I when I first started uh, to watch it or look it up, I'm like the things I was seeing online did not have a female director's name. So I was like, Yeah, are you, we can are get we into right? that. And I've I've since then uh, figured all that out. But for <laughs> for a split second, I'm like, Are you guys on crack? This isn't a Anyway. Well, it's directed by Barbara Peters. No, Barbara Peters. I'm sorry, you're right, Barbara Peters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's extra E's in there. Who was who who worked in the Corman camp through uh through a lot of the seventies. Um and then Humanoids from the Deep was the last one, I think she, yeah, that's the last one she did with Corman. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> And so, if you were seeing a male, ma- uh, a man's name as director, Jason, that would have been Jimmy T. Um, Murakami. I don't know if that's Murakami. Murakami. That's what I said. And because <laughs> what had happened was, is that she she directed the movie, she made the movie, and Roger Corman wanted more sex and violence in the movie, so he wanted reshoots done, and she refu- where it had like obviously more naked women, a little more gore. And Barbara refused to do it, so Roger fired her and brought in Jimmy to do those reshoots. 
And but some of the rape scenes were not even directed by him. They were directed by James Spartalotti, who later did Deathstalker. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like what's Foreman the... gets what he wants. That's right. <laughs> Damn right he does. But I find it interesting that that Barbara put her foot down about this when she worked with Corman a lot in the 70s, and in, including directing... Oh, I did... Okay, yeah, I did write it down. Dark Side of Tomorrow, which is which is a softcore film. So... Why yeah, all this... D- does it feature fishmen raping women? <laughs> or is yeah, it all, or, or it is all consensual same-species sex? I guess it is consensual, not just same-species, but same... Um, gender too so um yeah i guess maybe that's probably what it was the the fact that <laughs> the fish monsters are raping women but uh yeah still interesting um and then the the lead actress what's her name anybody ann turkle i think i should have yep. put it in the doctor she tried to have the movie like boycotted. Really? Yeah, yeah. She was not happy with the final film. But the but the boobs are so awesome in this movie, and the <laughs> monsters look so great. Like, well, that's because they were built by Rob Bottin. The boobs? Oh, I'm just kidding. No, the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, despite um, all the. Um, the dialogue and the scientific talk and exposition at the end of the day like i was i loved this movie because it was full of fucking monsters they did not skimp uh it kept coming it was just it felt like it was the longest third act of all time it was just monster mayhem forever and it was just awesome yeah it just goes on and on and i wish somebody nika or I think it's NECA, sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Or one of those, yeah, I know, one of those companies would do a cool, articulated figure of these guys. Because they're, I mean, they're no creature from the Black Lagoon, but they're some of my favorite non-creature from the Black Lagoon cinematic gill men. They're great. They have a a definite uh, vibe, though, of a creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, almost like they're... True, but like these more so, for at least in a couple shots for me, it's almost they're oddly mutated bastard children. I don't know. Or just. They've got like exposed brains and. Yeah. Well, and the creature from the Black Lagoon was horny for white blonde women, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's hey, It's just a remake. Julie but, Adams is a brunette. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> My favorite one is. Like the one that's creeping around um, the one lady's house who has like the arm extenders. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He has like one freakishly long arms. Yeah. Just, he's just like Jason. What's that's hug. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to know? You you want to know the fucked up part? Like you know that final awesome, you know, third act where it's just monster mayhem. There was only ever three creature suits made for that movie. Really? Yeah. I wondered that <laughs> while I was watching it. I'm like, how many did they fucking make? Yeah. There was only three. <laughs> there was because only three. And one of and there was only one that was like the principal costume. Like the other, like one That's was awesome. like 
didn't have the articulation the main one did, and the third one didn't even look very good, so they mostly tried to keep it in the background. But talk about, you know, some kick-ass directing and editing there. Yeah. They made that thing look like an apocalypse of... Of, uh, of fish humanoids. rape. Yes. Exactly. Good old-fashioned fish rape. <laughs> and fish rape apocalypse will be the next album out from my new band. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought that was I'm the name of the band. Yeah, oh sure, right. okay. It's self-titled. It's yeah, self-titled. Yeah. It's oh, okay. gonna suck because Brian and I are involved, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is one that I go back to every couple of years and rewatch again. And and it, every time I watch it, it seems I forget how gory it is. I was like, gonna, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Blood in this movie. <laughs> really is. Every time that one of the humanoids takes it to the brain. It fucking splats. Gush. Yeah. <laughs> or the you know the couple that's um, that's swimming in the ocean or whatever, and yeah. that humanoid just claws his fucking face off. Yeah. Face, yeah, look good. Mm-hmm. Chris Wallace was one of the uh, effects guys that worked on this too. Although I think he went uncredited. But. Uh, um, and then, obviously, the coolest gore scene of the whole movie, the epic ending. Right? The birthing scene. Yeah. Oh, oh right. man. That's still, like, one of the greatest gore scenes of all of the 80s. I'm pretty sure every monster movie Roger Corman made in the 80s had an alien rip-off birthing scene. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> and it's worth it. For sure. There was two movies... I'm sorry, let me take it back. There was only three movies that Roger Corman ever saw in the 70s and 80s, and that was, that was Alien, Star Wars, and Jaws. Because all of his movies just rip off those three. I'm fine with that because I love every one of them. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> totally agree. No, and and these creatures have, you know, I, unless you got you said you got notes on it, so you can go go ahead on and, and give us the plot and the and that. I didn't write down notes for plot. My notes were okay. just trivial shit, which okay. I pretty Jason? much already covered. No, go ahead. I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes or anything, but uh, okay. it it takes place in the small salmon fishing town. And uh, there's this new cannery that's going to come in, and you know some of the townsfolk are, yay, they're going to be great, and they're going to give us all jobs, and some of them are going to be like, boo, this is going to ruin our ecology. And uh, sure enough, it does ruin their ecology, because they've been working on a way to make salmon grow bigger more quickly, be more fertile, and... Uh, and you know, produce more to you know, triple, double, quadruple the catches. Well, some of these salmon that have been given this experimental growth hormone escaped into the ocean, and and you're you're led to believe for a while that we're just dealing with mutant salmon. No, we're not. What we're dealing with is that these salmon that escaped into the ocean were eaten by coelacanths, which reacted to this growth hormone. By, by going through an extremely accelerated evolution process and turning into humanoids from the deep. Mm. And because they no longer function as fishes, 
they must come ashore to rape human women to to spawn new humanoids. <laughs> and Doug and they're McClure. They're all big busted. And you get Doug McClure punching monsters because that was what he was best at. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. I'm I'm so it happy really that you guys watched it and liked it. <laughs> I've actually owned it for a, a while now. It's one yeah. of those movies that I'm like, yeah, I need to own this, you know. And then it stayed in the pile. <laughs> you know, about three stories tall. Uh, and I finally watched it for the show, and I'm like, God, that's fucking great. Like, Jesus. This oh, so is really it, good. So it was your first time, too, then, really? Yeah. I, no oh, shit. I've owned it for probably, like, four years. Because I'm really mad about watching movies I buy. Oh, this but was... I th- loved it. I really, really loved it. Yeah. It's so much fun. Everything the the I well I wish it was widescreen or at least the copy I have but sure. the music the 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 special effects it's just that kind of movie that I enjoy. Is the one it's you a ha- lot. Is the one you have from that Roger Corman collection where it's like a white yeah. cover with the poster? Yep. Okay, yeah, I've got that one. Um, That's I, the one I have. Yeah, but I, I would gladly upgrade. I mean, it's it's just so good. I this was a staple for me back in the video rental days. Like I I rented this and I think I might still have I used to have anyway the big box version of this. Ooh. Oh nice. Yeah. That's sexy. Sexy. I'll have to go look. I don't remember if I still have that or not. But yeah, this movie is so so much fun. It's so great. It's a blast. Yeah. And I think it's just enough, like Roger Corman, and if you watch on that DVD that you have there, John, there's an interview, like part of that Roger Corman collection was was um, a interview that Leonard Moulton did with Roger Corman talking about each one of the films in the collection, and then they spliced it up to put a segment on each of the DVD. And so Roger Corman's monster movie formula is that you save, to, you save the monster till the final reel. Like you don't show the monster till the final reel to yeah. titillate the audience and the fact also too that you're working with no money and you don't <laughs> you can't afford to show the monster right away. But I think this movie is just enough of a mix of that. You know what I mean? Like it 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 teases you enough and then gives you enough payoff at the end. You know, because again, yeah. like it's not well, like this is, the longest final reel in movie history, if that's yeah. the case. Yeah, well, exactly. So you see the exactly. monsters soon. You see the monsters early on, and you see them frequently. Yeah. But I get. But I mean, you get more of. That, I mean, more of the violence towards the end. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I just knew when when the credits were popping up, and I saw James Horner's. Uh, name come by on the score. I'm like, oh shit! Oh yeah, because that is... I mean that's he got his start back in the seventies. Really set the tone for really? me on it being good. As I remember correctly, he did Battle Beyond the Stars too, and probably some other ones as well. But Oscar-winning Titanic and Avatar, Braveheart, and nice. well, we don't need to bring uh, Braveheart into this. I'm just saying. But I mean, how many of the people great... who are the people who are huge in Hollywood now? Probably yeah. 70 75% of them got their start working for Corman. They, Corman yeah. Hollywood would yeah. be way Corman. different now if there was no Roger Corman, that's for sure. Exactly. Do you see the ever see did you see that Roger Corman documentary? The um, Oh yeah. 
yeah. Carmen's world. Yeah. And that 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 night where they uh, they give him a lifetime achievement award. Oh, that was awesome. And then just just the 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 powerhouse of people that were standing up there for Roger Corman. Unfreaking believable, right? And these are all people, you know, you're talking Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, you know, all these people. Oh, see, people. Ron Howard that introduced it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because No, wait, um, Quentin Tarantino um, introduced it. Oh, but, I, but didn't... Uh, uh, well, God, yeah, what, now I'm trying to remember. Ron Howard's... If, Ron Howard, I mean, obviously got his start as an actor. I'm trying to think of the the movie that he uh, did. The first movie he did as a director. That yeah, that Corman. The I can't remember Grand which one. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I can't remember which one came it? first. If it was Grand Theft Auto or Eat My Dust, I think Grand Theft Auto came first. Yeah, but I mean, either way, I mean, Roger Corman has helped everybody. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson I mean, wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for him. Everybody. He he is the reason why Hollywood or just movies exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he truly is the best. Absolutely. Um, but I was going to ask you, Jason, what you thought of the score. It's funny that you brought that up, because I love the score of this movie, and now I see why. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I loved it. As soon as I, as soon as I saw his name, I'm like, this is going to... I mean, it added a definite new layer of kick-ass to the movie. Just that haunting theme that goes through the whole movie with the with the echoey horn thing. How's it go? Okay, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you guys know that uh, Roger Corman remade this in the 90s? Yeah, he did a... I saw something about that Wait, on what? IMDb. They he, did... he did a series of movies for Showtime. Yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've actually never seen any of the, the 90s remake ones, but... He did this one, he did Piranha, and there was a couple more, but I can't remember. And both this one and Piranha. I think this one, the 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 biggest crime of this one, of Humanoids in the Deep remake, is that you know you, when it comes to a quote-unquote remake, one th- especially of a monster movie, one thing you expect to see is an upgrade on the monster effects. Nope. It, they just recycled the footage from the first movie. Oh... Yeah, Lame. exactly. And then the Piranhas was the same thing. They just recycled all the effect shots from from the first movie, and both of those movies were completely neutered of like gore and violence. They're they're horrible. They're, there's a reason why they're like lost to time. And this is such a you know talking about the gore and the violence and that this is a great update. I mean, this is a '50s monster movie. This is horror at Party Beach. This is you yeah. know something like that. Oh yeah. E- yeah, except given the you know '70s grindhouse attitude. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So there, I actually liked it. Surprise! <laughs> I'm so proud. Yay! Good. <laughs> like we're rubbing off on you. Uh huh. Uh, what else? Is there any other one? Brian, you haven't gone yet. Uh, <laughs> well, Tenement and Humanoids were kind of the ones I was that, okay. <laughs> yeah. to talk about. Brian's done. Um, I talked about Near Dark a whole bunch on our vampire episode. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I know that you guys chatted a long time about that, but I did watch it First time. for this, and I haven't, yeah, I it was my first time. Too. 
Yeah, Jason rewatched it for the first time, Forever Two, and it's that was interesting. That, that was the, almost what I went with instead of humanoids is to talk yeah. about near dark, but not terrible. So I totally want to hear. Um, Jason's updated review and Terry's fresh review of Near Dark. So why don't you go ahead, Terry? Go, Terry. Um. Okay. I mean, I'll try to keep it short since it was talked about a lot. But um, I liked it. Woo. Uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is like the best part of the whole movie. I think that might be one of my favorite roles of his now. Oh yeah, finger licking um, good. Oh my God. Yeah, it was so good. Um. But the only problem I had with the whole movie was the weird blood transfusion thing. Like, how is that that yeah. doesn't work? That bothered me. That yeah. that was the resolution to the story. But neat concept, but definitely didn't it. think out the science of it enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, they didn't explain anything. They like just like did it, and then they were cured, and they didn't really talk about it. Like it just happened. But like I can other maybe. Than that, I can maybe understand if if I really want to suspend disbelief that um, that he could get the blood transfusion, you know, because I mean it even he showed that he you know his dad was giving him the blood, so yeah, they're probably the same blood type. Where is he getting the blood for her though? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, carpenter rule. Yep, exactly. That's I mean that's pretty hard. It's just one of those things. <laughs> yeah, it was. You, yeah, I tried to. Yeah, it's a good movie. Just, just let it go. Yeah, but that was the only thing that bothered me. I loved the rest oh, yeah. of it. Like, I really liked the scene when they're in the hotel room and they they start shooting um, holes and the oh, sunshine yeah. comes through and it's burning them. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. Yeah. That and the bar and, scene are the two best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just the idea of these traveling vamps and cars, and they I like how they foil up and black out the windows and just travel everywhere. It was just kind of fun. I liked it a lot. And when it boils down to it, you know, it's just like this, it's just survival for them. They're just existing. Mm-hmm. There's no evil vampire plot to take over the world or, you know, whatever. They're just, they're just living. Yeah. Cool. So what did Jason think? Jason, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> um, I didn't like it. What? What? Here's here's where it all here. Okay. That's okay. You like uh, Lost Boys. I do, but uh, <laughs> but like to me, I thought it was just an. I just thought it was a Rob Zombie movie. No. You, you know, you know all the things that people hate about Rob Zombie movies. This was just the Firefly flam- family. They're, I'm sorry, about without any... never said to anybody in the movie that he was going to skull fuck them. But seriously, this movie starts <laughs> and there's the dialogue's better. There's no, there's no hey catch me up into this movie. It's just here's a family out causing hell, and there's there's no reason for it. There's no. Well, they're vampires. Yeah, there what is. They have to move around well, so, to feed. So, without so is the Firefly Fly family. So they're bad he guys has too. A point, but Rob Zombie sucks. I'm so just saying they're just a group of bad guys being bad guys, and I didn't care. 
You know what I mean? Like, they didn't give me a reason to. They didn't. Is it because I, is it because we spend so much time with those guys that this is your this with, is your problem? Without saying, hey, we're bad guys. I mean, there there was no because it's like the Firefly family and the fact that we're following these people through the story. It's you're not right. like I don't have a reason to though. It's not like, like it's I not know. like Michael Myers when it's like Michael Myers really doesn't have a reason for what he's doing in Halloween. But it's not like we're following him, we're following Laurie Strode. Is that right. what you're saying? Right. Okay. So, to me, it was exactly like <laughs> the things we don't like about the Rob Zombie fam- Firefly family. That's hard to say, damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I really didn't... I was just, well, but you're really following what's-his-face, the, the new guy. I mean, you're sure. really following yeah. his story more I'm than just, the family. I, I really, yes. Well, I just hated that I was thrown into this situation, and I didn't, with these bad guys, and they're, and I'm being forced to like just follow them around and watch them do bad guy things, and I'm not rooting for them. And so the movie had two good scenes. The scenes are cool. And Bill Paxton's great, but there's no context to this family. There's no history. We just start right in the middle of this family existing that I don't care about because I'm just in the middle of it. They don't introduce me to any of these characters. They don't... There is zero uh, character development in any of the characters. So I had a hard time with this uh, family... I mean, the story-wise, it wasn't as good. It had cool scenes and cool things that happened. I just well, but yeah, uh, it's just, they're the supporting cast, though. That's the whole thing. It's the the main they, kid is the right. he's the focus, and you get more of a backstory for him. But was he the focus? Well, here, here let's, yes. Let's okay. ad- let's address the. I mean, <laughs> the whole bar thing was to get him. Like they're trying to get him out to have him kill someone. Like that was the whole purpose of the bar scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the bar scene. Okay. Let, okay. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, yes, we can all agree it's the boy's story. But let's address the elephant in the room here, okay? Oh. And the elephant in the room, whenever you talk about Near Dark, is 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 comparing it to Lost Boys. Because oh. amongst the horror fans, that community gets really divided. Because both films came out around the same time, and Near Dark got slaughtered because of Lost Boys. Got forgotten because of Lost Boys. And no, no, it's better. The Near Dark fans resent <laughs> Lost Boys because of it. Now, they're kind of they're very similar in in the films. Because what I think with your argument, Jason, is that if we're saying that this is the boy's story in Near uh-huh. Dark, um, there's 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 way more emphasis on the vampires in the story than in because look at the same thing with Lost Boys, it is it's it's that boy's story, but we spend way more time with that boy and his little brother and the Frog Brothers than we do the vampires. The vampires are strictly protagonist or antagonists in the Lost Boys versus in Near Dark. 
we spend so much. So that's your argument here, right? Right, in a okay. storytelling sense. So we can all agree that both stories are about the main They're protagonist. The yeah. We just spend way more time with those antagonists to where it can be perceived that they're almost the protagonist in it. Mm-hmm. I think with Near Dark, though, they're trying to really work in a whole Stendenhall Syndrome type of plot Stockholm. line. Stockholm, sorry, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking. Stendenholm Syndrome. Sorry. A little uh, Freudian Dario Argento. Somewhere. Yeah, I kind of kind of <laughs> slipped into Argento there. <clears throat> I meant to say Suspiria. Um, well, yeah, they're trying to make you feel kind of sympathetic for them, too. But well, because there's that moment again, going back to the hotel room, where he, where he kind of he he could probably have gotten away because the they were losing, but our hero of the movie saves the day for the vampire family, and then kind of you kind of he kind of feels accepted by those guys now and is happy about it, like he's grinning ear to ear because they're all like you done good kid, blah blah blah. And he's kind of he kind of feels like happy that he's accepted in this family, even though like he's being really held there against his will and all that stuff. So it's a total. Well, but also, I mean, so I think they're going with know. that angle in Near Dark as well, and that's why we spend so much time with the vampires. Well, I mean, but it's the whole pack mentality with vampires, because you know, usually in the lore, it's like when whoever turns you and you're eternally loyal to them um to a fault and you know so that girl whatever name was um yeah you know like i just feel like he blended in because he had to and that was his life now well and i think like they also with near dark are trying to ground ground the vampire mythos in in reality a bit sure there's the actual still supernatural element of the vampires they're eternal you can't kill them unless it's like sunlight. Um, but then there's other parts of the mythos that they ground in reality, like uh, or they try to ground in reality, like you know, to free yourself of being a vampire, you must kill the lead vampire. You know, that's that's definitely a supernatural loophole. And so in mm-hmm. this movie, they try to make it a little more re- try to make it more reality. It's like, well, what about a blood transfusion? So I think it's kind of the same thing, like, in a lot of more classic vampire films, you see, when somebody gets bit, well, like, like, uh, Fright Night, for example, when Evil Ed gets bit, he's no longer your best friend, he is a full-on evil vampire, you know, and, and that's, that's more classic vampire lore, so in this one, we're seeing a more... More human element. More realistic human element on what would cause somebody to go down the dark side of being a vampire. And right. the, and it's like you said, Terry, the whole acceptance into the pack kind of thing. You know, because, like, the girl, she's just doing what she needs to do to, sur- to A, survive, and B, survive being in this group by turning him, mm-hmm. well, by, by drinking from him, but she's still a good person, so she just turns him instead of actually just eats him. Yeah. But the other three have obviously been down this path for so much more, so much longer than anyone else that that you know their human, their humanity side of things doesn't exist anymore. Right. I mean, and there's a little background there because they talk about how 
the little kid is the oldest one. Yeah. And that he's kind of the the leader. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I guess it didn't bother me at all while I was watching it. I liked it. I like it too, but I, I, I can see your argument, Jason. All right. I'm not agreeing with it. Oh. Just so I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> and that little boy, by the way, um, forgetting his name. Anybody? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Creepy no. kid. Um. Yeah, Joshua John Miller. Thank you. Uh, Josh oh yeah, I totally knew that. Um, who is um, the son of uh, Father? What's his name? Father Claren? Is that right? From The Exorcist. Yeah. But more importantly, played the little brother in Teen Witch. So. Because <laughs> that's what people care about. I do. Teen Witch rules. Uh, you're the only one. I sincerely I like doubt Witch. that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Terry and Mike agree on a movie. <laughs> I think that's really where we need... Yeah. Anyway. Okay, anyway. even more importantly, just because I'm on his IMDb page right now, even more importantly, he wrote uh, Final Girls. Yeah. yeah! I was totally shocked by that when I saw that he uh, went on to you know do that. Yeah, yeah. I always thought he was like a weird looking kid. Like, oh, two, he with him, two movies always stood out for me. It was Near Dark and um, um, River's Edge because he plays this like oh, yeah. little evil shithead in both those movies. So <clears throat> I always just assumed that's what he was like in real life. But then you have him and Teen Witch, and he's still kind of an evil little shit. <laughs> Anyway, enough Teen Witch discussion. Yeah. Is there ever really enough Teen Witch discussion? Well, you know. <laughs> so, so yeah, so near dark. Um, Brian, what are your? Did we even say who it was directed by? Oh, I guess that's we... kind of the whole point. Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In case people didn't know that, and she anyway. is one of the co-writers. Yep. And and was like what her first film or one of her early films at uh, least the, yeah and the only time she's done a horror film so yeah and then she went on to uh, bang James Cameron and <laughs> make some uh, movies <laughs> well that whole James Cameron relationship didn't necessarily help her it almost yeah. kind of hurt her there yeah. for a while uh, well she did what Zero Dark Thirty Hurt Locker the uh, classic uh, Point Break. Yay. Yep. I do like Strange Days, though. Probably yes, more, that more was the one I was trying to think though, of, Strange but, Days. But still, you know, fun. It's like we were talking about a little earlier, that there are a lot of horror movies directed by women, but there are not that many women horror directors. Yeah, and I think, like, I think we might see a change in that with people like... Uh, um, Yavank, for example, who is yeah, I'm trying. Um, who her who her whole career roots are 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 in horror. Yeah. Thanks to Rue Morgue and stuff, you know. Yeah, and then you have like the, you know, the the Soska st- sisters, 
you know, who are obviously are horror fans. But like more of the more of the classic people, like it's like one and done. It's like jump start the career and then I'm out of here. Oh, that's always been horror. Well, yeah, that's. But yeah, I know. But like, Kevin Bacon. But you get like you get like the male horror directors. Your your John Carpenters, your George Romero's, your Wes Cravens. Those are the top of the top. We're saying there's a million male horror directors that did one and went to something else. Yeah, yeah, but there's but there's no women. There's not one. That's that's what a point I'm getting at. There's not a single woman who you would consider like a uh, an equal of John Carpenter or George Romero. Yeah, the closest. Yeah. yeah. Someone whose filmography is just primarily horror movies. Yeah. And I'm not And not s- only that, but primarily great horror movies too. Yeah. And that's the thing there too. Um and, and, and I'm not saying like these classic guys is like that's all I ever wanted to do was be the horror filmmaker. You know, people like George Romero have often said they didn't want to get pigeonholed in that, you know. So the the yeah, whole thing but, well. the whole thing is like I, I just it's interesting that we have these male iconic directors, for better or worse, for them, but there's not one single female. That the closest I've been able to track down, as far as a little more on the classic side, would be maybe Mary Lambert. She's got more in horror than a lot of these other ladies. She did both of the Pet Cemetery. She did Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, Strange Frequency, The Attic, and then Mega Python versus Gatoroid. So. <laughs> great fucking filmography there. Just yeah, I'm not saying great. Not. I'm not saying great <laughs> horror films, but it's more than one or two. No, that's true. And so from, Anne has expanded so, her entire career. I mean, so she, she got, went yeah. from she went from directing one of the best Stephen King adaptations ever put to film to picking through Jim Wynorski's leftovers. <laughs> yeah, know, right. Oh shit. I mean, she's obviously got much, uh, much bigger filmography than that. Those were just the horror films I wrote down. But she tried. She tried. That's all that matters. So anyway, better, it's just interesting. Better than the All right, do we want to get into Dead Hooker in a trunk? Turn that shit off. Couldn't get I made it, that. but I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, thought it we, got better as it went. I just... We should talk about their career. I mean, they're very prevalent right now. They, I, I mean, or at least they were like two or three ago. When yeah, American when, Mary was a long time ago. Yeah, I, and I'm going to argue I they still the are because they got that Elevator series that yeah. got a lot Fuck, of press. God damn it, that show is not fucking. I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. <laughs> I'm just saying their relevance and their relevance as the face of horror is still there because. That show, that show's only existence is because of because of their faces. It's not. Well, and I guess yeah, they did that. See No Evil two, also right. That was pretty recent, but I haven't seen that. Also not good. It's not bad. No, there are parts that I like, but it's just like it's not showing what they're capable of. It's it just feels like a generic fucking sequel. Yeah, it, it they, feels it doesn't have their vibe that it should have. As directors, it feels it felt like a paycheck film. Rather effortless. They were so proud of it and kept promoting it. 
Yeah, and that's and the sad part is, it's you're like... Not really, you're not giving me what I fucking loved about your quality of work with American Mary. And that, you know... And that's 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 the that's the that's the part that's up for debate. Then, like, are these girls as talented as we think they are, or that they think they are, or was American Mary a fluke? Casino Evil Two. If you're saying that they are, if you're saying that they are, they they were like overly proud of it and really excited about it, and and I and I heard all that press too. And then I'm saying that it feels like a paycheck movie. Like, they went in, they filmed what they were told to film, and they cast their checks. That's what the movie feels like to me. It's, really, that's, it's not yeah. a horrible movie, but it's nothing special. And there are performances I mean, in that movie that, I, that, that, I, that for me are like, as a director myself, I'm like, I wouldn't have let this performance go. But it felt like the actor... Made a choice, and the 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 Sosa sisters just accepted that. And I'm talking in particular about my future wife, Isabella. Whoa, no, 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 no! Whoa, dude! My what? future wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, my, 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 you mean? my I can I dude I will take you and I will win. All right, fine. My future ex-wife, your future your future you second wife. Oh, the, the sex scene? Because like, the... she will definitely be my sloppy seconds to you. So <laughs> Anyway, but uh, but I don't even, like, I don't know if they wanted that over-the-top ridiculous performance during the sex scene or what, but it just, it was dumb. It really felt like dumb. She, she started doing this drunk character, it made the girls laugh, and they just went with it. Without any regard if it was any good or not, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, this is funny to us as we're sitting around the around the script reading table. But then when it came oh, time yeah. to film yeah. it, it's like it's not. It's annoying. Yeah, and I, it, I was one of the biggest supporters of these two. I mean, I I imported American Mary based on the trailer. Like, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, oh, this isn't going to come out in the U.S. anytime soon. I'm like, I need to be. Fucking loved it. But these girls have gone on nothing original. They're just, they're directors for hire, and it's a shame. But promote themselves like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it frustrates me. It's just, yeah, and I don't know, maybe we're just putting American Mary too high up on the pedestal, but I'm right there with you, John. I fucking love this movie to no end. It's, um, it's one of my favorite movies. I mean, I would say that's one of my top, I don't know if I want to say top ten, but at least top five movies of all time. It's just that fucking good and well made. But it, it It's it, definitely one of the best movies of, of um, the past 20 years, that's for sure. Yeah. What, and it's a movie I can watch over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, I love the characters. I love that world that they are in. And that's that's when I really enjoy a movie. I mean, that's why I love the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a world that I enjoy and love. But these these girls have gone on... I should, shouldn't say girls. These women have gone on to do nothing. I mean, they really have done nothing that I, it can compare to that 
and it's frustrating. I'm still I'm still holding out that it's early enough in their careers because their body work is not that big yet. It's just right. sad that there hasn't been anything else that I've been able to latch onto within their body of work. But I don't know how but anybody it, could latch onto their their other stuff because it's all just director for hire, and and even then it's just kind of a letdown. I mean, we are only talking about four movies that they've made so far and a segment for ABC's The Death Part 2, if you want to count that in the filmography. And that's yeah, still I mean, I'm, so, I'm still holding out for another original movie written and directed by them that's done as well as American Mary. Because I mm-hmm. think they can do it. I mean... I think they can too, but I don't think it's going to happen. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm a little worried they're getting too comfortable in just these little side gigs. Yes, that's the they fear. They bought, bought maybe too much into their own hype, so now they exactly don't don't have that hunger to do something great again because well, yeah. they're kind they of darlings of horror. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. They're not one of those uh, directors or sets of directors that actually have like a full on like true vision like you could see one of their movies and go oh that's clearly them or that you know they they just don't bring anything new yet it's not I mean, just American about being Mary a hater was awesome. no I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hater I mean like they just don't have they don't have a unique vision it's I think they just got lucky well, I'm gonna. I, I, I'm, and here's the thing. I'm gonna be all over the. I'm gonna be all over both sides of this coin, um, because <laughs> I, I agree with you, John. At the same time, like I, I question. I, I mean, I just, I just really question. I have a lot of questions right now uh, when it concerns them. I really do. I, two plus two is four, right? You understand that? Yeah, okay, exactly. Sorry. Because <laughs> let's let's take a step back for a second, okay? And let's 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 look at other people's body work. George Romero is my all-time favorite director. Let's look at his first four movies. Okay, Night of Living Dead, Out of the Park, classic. Then there was There's Always Vanilla. It's a turd. Um, Season of the Witch. It's a turd. Crazies. It's, it's become awesome. It's I. It's awesome. It's become a cult classic. So four movies in, um, but he, but if we go back to when those movies were coming out, when those movies were relevant, true, crazies, cult classic now can be totally appreciated now at the time. Turd, Martin. But see, with his fifth film, Martin. it took up to his fifth film to get another to get another. Um, you know, true a hit, and could you even really say Martin was a hit? No, well, but see, with the the Soska sisters, the the thing that totally changes everything is social media. Sure, that can definitely come into play. I'm just I'm I just mean, keeping my fingers and toes crossed that it's still early. It's still early enough, and, but and I'm, I'm just not, I don't want to give up hope yet. Keep, I'm worried that they're going to keep getting the that praise for. Their direct to hire kind of shit. That's well, what they'll just, keep doing. Just wait until their their bodies start sagging and they don't feel like they're hot anymore, and then maybe <laughs> they'll get behind the camera again. And that's when Brian and I can finally get them. 
you know, they're kind of like they got so much notoriety for being like these hot horror twins, and that's kind of like they're embodying that persona right now, like yeah. with their game show or whatever. And... Oh, fuck, it's horrible. But I did <laughs> honestly, I didn't even know what they looked like when I when I uh, finally saw American Mary. And oh, yeah. I mean, I was going just solely on their body of work and now it's all about their bodies yeah well, I, whether whether the they're meaning to or not i don't know but i mean that's they are extremely beautiful women and that's just how the fucking industry works well they they obviously have a shtick right now a, a physical shtick they yeah they're unique With in the fact comic that book they're they're unique in the fact that they're that they're female directors, that they're twins. You know, so you know, I don't know. Would any of us not ride that out either? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I probably would. Yeah, elevator is blatantly obvious. Is nothing more than cashing in on on the name of yeah Soska Sisters. You know, it has nothing to do with them as filmmakers. Well, and it's it's just a bad show. I mean, it's only going off of their their attractiveness and their name. I mean, it's just I mean, it's literally it's just a shit show. I I haven't watched it, so I don't have an opinion uh, on it. But the trailers didn't. <laughs> the commercials I saw didn't really appeal to it's me. So I'm like, difficult right. to watch. It just it those kind of things when those things come up, it just frustrates me as a fan. Because I'm like, ah, oh. it's like when when your favorite director all of a sudden just does a lot of present presented by films, you know? Yeah, it's just like, oh, oh I know. quit put your name on shit and make make movies, you know? Sam <laughs> so it's kind Raimi. Of the, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. God, he does that a lot. Wes Craven, he does. Yeah, Wes, yeah. yeah, Wes Craven did that so towards like, the end. It's the same thing. It's like don't don't sell yourself to a game show. You know, put your energy back into making a making a movie, making something like American Mary. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want to scare these people? That's cool. Uh, scare the uh, human race. Like, actually do something. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, well, it's, it... there's a paycheck in front of you, and you don't know if you know this, but uh, movies. Well, I'm not saying I would be any different. Movies cost <laughs> I mean, money. Probably, that oh, you want to pay me so I can eat? That's hard. Cool. I'm holding out hope. I mean, American Mary was like four four to five years ago so in the grand scheme of things really i mean they've done a few things since then but yeah and that's you know, the, and that's to the say Jason's... they're not working on their next original uh feature but right I'm now worried that the money being thrown at them is causing them not to because it's it's more money than you know back in the well, 60s and shit so i don't know i mean we'll see. yeah we but, yeah. but we'll but see it's like it's like I said earlier, and and also to Jason's point, would any of us like do do it different? And I don't blame them for doing it because no, no, it's, these are uh, it's obviously these girls want to be filmmakers, or they wouldn't have made Dead Hooker in a trunk. But that you know, and then they burst onto the scene with American Mary, and it's like there's been two movies they've made since then, so. You know, I guess you got to cash the check where you can, and then hope that you can still go back and and make your films because they're not actually getting films made. So, at least the films that they want to make. So, 
I think Dead Hooker in a Trunk was too cool of a movie for me to be into. Talk, <laughs> to actually talk about the movie. Like, Oh, yeah, we were talking about that. You know, like, I don't know. It feels like cool kids like that movie. Could like that movie. I'm just no. not a cool kid. What? What? Smart kid. Cool kids like <laughs> you know, silly, badly edited little, vignettes of little, random shit that don't tell a story. No, like kids, you know, the little gangster kids, the little tough, you know, nope. tough girls and, you know, that... Girl power? Well, I, just kids today, no. you old fucks. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> probably relate to that movie way more than we do. I'm just... Do you mean like so I pe- felt pe- like I wasn't cool enough to... To be, I mean, like, yeah, she, that she's like, movie. she's like the cash me outside girl. Whatever that means, I still <laughs> oh, don't even know. Oh that. yeah, that shit. <laughs> Which I People still have never that. seen any kids. of that. People who like the movie Kids would like Dead Hooker in the Trunk. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I like Maybe kids. I like kids too, but but you know what I'm saying. Like it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that movie is for me. But Maybe Beyond. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the thing is, is okay, because they had they had a great style to it. You know, they were they had their uh, unique vibe going on with it. There were yeah, there were there were okay things in it. I just think overall it was kind of a mess. Like it was too many things being shoved together. Cooks, yeah, I guess too many things. I also think the girls should stop putting themselves in their movies too. Oh, that yeah, was part of my that was part of my problem. I didn't <laughs> the nerdy girl performances. Oh, I, I like her, but... yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, you know, I think but they're better served behind the camera. Who who would you? Yeah, I mean, I get it. Your I first film and Mike you and Jason do it with your resources, but we, we put ourselves in our first movies too. So yeah, I don't watch That's those either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hang it all out there. Well, and it was part of the gimmick of the film was that they were twins too. Yeah. So that was kind of the, you know, whatever. Yeah, true. Brian, you've been quiet through all this uh, discussion. Because you've been asleep. Yeah, I. No, I'm not asleep. I just I don't <laughs> feel like I have anything to add to it. Like, they're they're. I love American Mary, but you know, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, and. The only other thing there's well no I, I've seen uh, See No Evil Two which is a movie that exists and I saw <laughs> that is the best review of it ever it exists and I saw maybe the first third of Dead Hooker in a Trunk and wound up getting interrupted twice and on the second time decided I'm not going to go back and finish this because it's fucking terrible and. I just I don't know I don't feel like I have any vested interest in anything they do like. Eh. <laughs> yeah. they, they just don't inspire any strong feelings in me one way or the other. So they they used to, but you want to know what it is about American Mary that I love so much? Tristan Catherine Lewis. Isabel. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Our future ex-wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, is that the movie has like a very skewed reality, almost? Um, with like some of the characters in it, kind of reminds me of little David Lynchian kind of thing. Yeah, and I have a f- very fine line of 
of how much experimental you can take. Exactly. Like <laughs> oh, if, if it goes too little. far on the spectrum of like this is a reality this movie's reality is nothing that I can relate to, then I will shut down. So this movie does an amazing job for me. It's like I I don't have a single tattoo. I don't have a single piercing. I have no connection to body to the body modification world whatsoever. And a lot of these characters in these, in this movie are way on the opposite line of reality spectrum for me. Yet it just skates it just enough, man, where I'm drawn into these characters and I I believe in these characters and I follow these characters and I care for these characters. All of them from the Barbie Barbie doll girl all the way down to the greasy scumbag um strip bar owner guy. Um and all of them I am so invested in. And that's what impresses me about this movie. That it can give me such a skewed universe that I have no relation to whatsoever. And yet I can still be that invested. So that's what it is for me. That I love the movie so much. Yeah. And Catherine Isabel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being covered and in And I'll blood. tell you what, you know, like, regardless of... How you feel? Like I think it's fucking awesome that girls are getting pumped up by these girls, you know, and getting inspired oh, yeah. to, to make movies and and get into film and and whatever it takes. I'm for that. Yeah, all the yeah. way too. Right? Maybe, maybe their legacy will be nothing but their inspiration, their their, their fame being in, inspiring to a, a bunch more, uh, you know, up and coming female to, filmmakers, yeah. and that. That would be a fine legacy in itself, and that yeah. would be just enough. That would be enough for me to still love them, regardless of their body work. So, yeah, yes, we're doing it. How about are are, are we uh, do it? Is that that all we got on the, on the <laughs> yes, sisters? Please. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're good to move on. How about the love witch? Damn it! Oh, yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch it all. You did it? No. I was so excited, too. And so, okay, here's my story. So, (laughs) Saturday night or Sunday morning, however you want to look at it, I woke up out of a dead sleep, wide awake at 5 in the morning. So I'm like, well, I know my son's not getting up for several hours, and I know Jason's not going to get up for even more than that. That's right. So I have the house to myself. I'm going to try to get caught up on movies for this show. So I rewatched Near Dark, and then like I'm still feeling great. Let's do this. So I put in, I I start up Love Witch. I've been so excited to see this fucking movie. Fucking crashed hard. <laughs> Damn it! You used it up and on Near Dark. You've I seen did. A hundred times. And I'm pissed. Use it up on Near Fucking Dark, a movie I've seen a hundred times. Ah! And I was trying so hard at one point, too. I'm like, okay, I fell asleep. I'm awake again. I'm awake again. I'm awake again. And then, like, I'm out. And I'm like... And then eventually I just gave up. I was like, I can't even piece together what I have seen. So fuck it. So... (laughs) So Well... You people go talk about it. I'm going to go cry in the corner. (laughs) Allow me to temper your expectations a little bit. Now, I went into this... Shut up, Ryan. (laughs) I went into this one with some pretty lofty hopes because yeah. I'd heard so much great stuff about it. How, I mean, the, the, the amount of work that Anna Biller did on this movie and apparently does on all her movies is just astonishing. 
not only does she write them, produce them, direct them, often act in them, she did everything down to the fucking costumes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's unreal. Talk about an auteur, right? And not only that, but the the look, the look, the story, the vibe of this movie is I it looks like something that something weird video would have Fuck in their yeah. phones. Yes. I mean, I, oh, I yeah. have not I have not seen this faithful a recreation, oh. not just of look, but of tone of a 70s weirdo forgotten, <laughs> you know, swept under the rug and lost for 30 years sexploitation movie ever. It's amazing. Like, down to the font, down to some of the close-ups yeah. and the camera setups and everything. The problem is all of those movies that this movie is uh, drawing inspiration from and taking its tone from are kind of boring. <laughs> and this and this one is two hours long, and there is yeah. absolutely no reason for that. Now, it is absolutely beautiful to look at. Uh-huh. Like it, it is one of the most visually appealing movies I have seen in I don't even know how long. I mean, uh-huh. it is... It is a work of art. That said, <laughs> I don't like to spend two hours staring at a painting either. <laughs> and and by the time the 90-minute mark rolled around, I was thinking, is this going to be wrapping up soon? <laughs> I would like to do something else now. <laughs> so, yeah, I... You know, had, had she found 30 minutes of material to trim yeah. out of it, and I think that could easily have been done... This would have been far higher up on my list as than it is. I still say that it's a really good movie. It just, Jesus Christ, speed it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't. I mean, I don't think that I was bothered by the length of it. I guess. I don't r- recall feeling so there's that... There's a joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall. Oh, I'm sorry. Being bored. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking. Boys are um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was it was cool. I mean, just the, the atmosphere of it and the cheesiness and 60s uh, hippy-dippy witches and I don't know. I I really I really enjoyed it. It was good. I loved it. Yeah. Me the, too. The music, the music, the stylized performances, oh, just man. yeah, everything down to a T. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. But it, it was weird that everything was so 60s, but it, it still took place in modern it's times. Modern times. I it had to me. Ha, okay. I'm going to I'm not gonna lie here. I've watched the uh, 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 God damn it, the Brady Bunch movies from the '90s. <laughs> you love them. You <laughs> have one Blu-ray. How no. they're they're still like in the '60s slash early '70s, but in modern times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's That's the same how this thing. movie felt. Like, <laughs> oh, God, we're in the '60s, but hey, let me call my boyfriend on the cell phone. Like, yeah, it, that vibe, and I kind of loved it. Like yeah. very yeah old, that, but not. It's it's it totally it's threw me off the first time someone pulled out their cell phone. I was yeah. like, oh, wait, 
What? Or when you see a, a modern car, you're like, is that yeah. supposed to be? Or did they just not know but how that to just, film this? Yeah, that just made me like it more. It's like yeah, it was. It's, it's like it's in its own little world. Like it's this little anachronism that doesn't that, belong there. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. I mean, it's it. That's how those uh, Brady Bunch movies. Like they're so oblivious <laughs> to the real world. Yeah. You know how John like, loves the Brady Bunch movies. <laughs> Nobody liked Davy Jones since the seventies, but hey, whatever. You know, like it's yeah, it's, a, it's like they're uh, in their own little time capsule. Yeah, all the rest a, of the world is going on around them. Yeah, and that's what I felt about this movie. It's like they're old school but modern, and I don't know. It was fun, a lot yeah. of fun. I'm somewhere in the middle between you two, but I felt like maybe I was a scotch misled by the trailer. As far as just how the story was going to be about, you know, and stuff. but Oh, I guess I didn't watch the trailer. Oh. Did I? Um, <laughs> trailer's what sold me. Yeah. So, like, I can't... I don't know. I should have thought about it before I started talking. Hence, everything. But, <laughs> um... That, it, it's like, I thought the movie was going to be more about this whatever and then that happened in the first five minutes and I'm like oh so that's already you know that kind of thing and I'm like oh so what's the movie going to be about if we already know this thing that's happened that I thought the trailer was about but anyway yeah fucking gorgeous and and cool and stylized and something weird and 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 very funny yeah it's funny, is but it just me, or did her ex-husband Jerry look an awful lot like a young Willem Dafoe in a really bad wig? Yes. <laughs> oh yes, my gosh, the wig. <laughs> uh, yeah, like in the first, yeah, the first bit there, yeah. Funky yeah. looking guy. Just amazing <laughs> attention to detail and style, and it was so cool, but yeah, could he use an editor? Like, it just, I don't know, felt like maybe it just got rushed to put out and just, they just could have took another pass. Mm. You know, or had a studio, like, make them do another pass where, like, like getting to put it out on your own is also a hindrance as well as a good thing, you know, where, like, you don't have someone who actually does, who might know more. Get another set of eyes on it. And if she's doing everything, then she's got nobody to tell her. Right, you gotta have a little no man with your yes man. I don't know. So that's how I would have kind of saw it. But yeah, it's cool. Cool I'm still excited to see it. A little nervous, because you know how I easily get bored. Yeah, two hours. And if Brian gets bored, if Brian got bored with it. (laughs) Oh, damn it. Janet. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Any others we should talk about? Did anybody get a chance to watch um, The Strange Color of... No Bodies and Tears? I watched that a while ago. And I liked it, but I don't remember why, so I'm not even going to discuss it. Well, can you tell us anything about it? Because, like, the trailer has me excited and scared all at the same time. From what I remember, it felt very Italian. I get the, yeah. Italian slash David Lynch. Like a giallo. It's 
Yeah, dude, it's been so long. <laughs> Does it have, it, like, a pretty f- easy-to-follow storyline, or is it, st- even prob- in the storyline, it's rather Italian? Or does it get super I, surreal bullshit art fart? I think it gets, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it gets pretty surreal. But like mm-hmm. I said, it's been so long. Okay, okay. I'll quit asking. Yeah, quit asking questions. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Fuck the face. Well, <laughs> the only other ones I watched for the episode, which I watched like eight movies. Whoa, nice. what? Yeah. I crammed them in. <laughs> John, um, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched uh, Ravenous. Me too. Oh, and yeah. Velvet Vampire. I, I uh, <laughs> couldn't get through Velvet so Vampire. So Mike watched less movies what? on his list than we did. That's weird. Fucking, yeah, I couldn't get through Velvet Vampire, sorry. Really? Yeah. I thought that would be a movie you would like. Mm. You would have think. It was I'm looking forward, good. looking forward to checking that one out. I didn't get time to watch it for the show, but yeah, it's still one that I really want to see. Huh. Huh. I mean, it was it was cheesy. Uh, it was fine. I didn't hate it. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't finish watching it either, so I can't say either way. I mean, it's it's just yeah. We don't have to talk about it if I'm the only one. That Why did Ravenous this. seem more goofy than it was when it first it came out? It was so funny. Right? <laughs> is that, that is very much a comedy. I always thought it was. I mean, I, I've, I've yeah. never seen it before, I but I was not serious. anticipating that it was going to be comedic huh. at all. It was. Awesome. <laughs> it had, I mean... Between the some of the music and just the overall tone, I was, I when I was I was just taken aback at first. I'm like, wait, is this what is going on? <laughs> like, uh, so, it, but that made me like it more that they added comedy in there. I was kind of hoping to get a round of watching now because I haven't seen it since it first came out. But that's my memory of it. I love that the ending. Was, that it was, uh, yeah. you know, very, rather comedic. Huh. I forgot was all that. Very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> and that was directed by a lady, yes. a woman, Brian. <laughs> um, by the name of Antonia Bird. And finding out before I undertook my rewatching of it because much like Mike I hadn't seen it since it first came out and it's been on Netflix forever and I just keep not watching it again even though I've been meaning to forever finding out that she was a vegetarian and that that was very much meant to be a commentary that it was meant to be you know well I I guess I shouldn't say I know that it was meant to be a commentary on eating meat but it pretty fucking obviously is that knowledge actually See, that actually made it worse for me because that makes it go from just this heavy-handed comedy about isn't cannibalism funny to the most brutal beating over the head with the message (laughs) heavy-handed bullshit. And then after I found that out and watched it again, I was like, fuck. I I like everything about this movie, but now I'm annoyed by it because it's belaboring its point so badly. It feels preachy. Yeah. 
Meh. Interesting. It's got Robert Carlyle. That's all I care. See, it's got and Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, it's and, there's no, and there's nothing funnier than watching a pedophile talking about wanting fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've never oh, been able yeah, to take the movie point. seriously because it's got Jeffrey Jones in it. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and fucking David Arquette. Uh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I. He needs to the... do more horror. I always enjoy him when he's. I mean, even in. Bone Tomahawk when Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot he was in that. I I feel bad for making fun of that guy. <laughs> he did, yeah. Any anybody ever see his uh directorial debut? Oh horror I love film? that movie. Tripper? Yes. Yeah. Oh I fucking love that movie where it the, is awesome. the killer wears a Reagan mask. Yep. It's <laughs> it's actually a fun movie. I mean, it really is a great movie. It's a fun slasher with a with a, <laughs> a lot of very funny subtext. Oh yeah. Interesting. But I also love slashers, so of course I'm a little you know partial to it. But and it, but it's fun. And obviously, he pulled in a lot of favors because it's got it's got a crazy cast from like Paul. Yeah, he Rubin. blew a lot of people for that movie. Well. That's when he was still married to Courtney Cox, so of course she's oh, in true. it. Oh, sure, he still has a money, money-ish. Yeah. And it had Paul Rubens in it, who was my favorite character in the movie. Of course, you could say that about any time you got Paul Rubens in your movie. Well, yeah. He's the best part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's the best part of Mystery Men. He's the best part of um, um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You know what he's not the best part of? Ravenous. <laughs> Which we are currently talking about. Oh, right. that! <laughs> Damn it, Terry! Quit bringing us back to the. What else? What else do you want to say about Ravenous? It had fucking uh, Leo from Leonardo West Wing. DiCaprio? John, oh yeah. John Spencer, guy who was Leo in the West Wing. Yeah, it was cool because yeah, he had long cool. hair. It was weird. Look at that. But anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> But Ravenous, good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It has been ages since I've watched it, but I'm, I remember loving the ending because it's it's pretty bleak for what it, the the whole movie yeah. is. Yeah. Has Guy Pearce done any other? I mean, don't really see him in too many horror films. Horror. I feel there's a lot of horror, but he's always being awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's always <laughs> he's good. I've always enjoyed. He him. Stands out when he's in a movie. Sucker yeah. for those Not in a bad way. <laughs> and Jason brings up the cheekbones. Yeah, kind of. He kind of is a dreamboat, isn't he? <laughs> Wait, I said that. You did, and I'll stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking actor. All right. Any other films? It's all the ones I saw. Okay. Cool. Um, any honorable mentions before we uh, head off to to our break? Uh, well, Pet Cemetery one and two, and American Psycho. We briefly touched on those awesome ones. So to pull back the curtain a little bit for people that listen, one of the things that we do for this show is um, uh, I come up with like a list of films to watch for the show. 
uh, for those who... To narrow it down. Yeah, to help narrow it down. So mm-hmm. I intentionally left off the Slumber Party Massacre movies because I feel oh, like... Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I feel like we've talked about those to death. I mean, we even did a commentary yeah. track for the first one. And what else new can we say? I was like, oh, it's a, it's a, a horror franchise about girls getting naked and getting killed by a drill, and they were all directed by women. How weird is that? You know, we've said that a thousand <laughs> times. So, so I left it off. Um, I really wanted to get into, uh, and also part of the thing too, as far as when I come up with the list is. Um, movies that we can all easily get our hands on, and I have we I still have never been able to find a copy of Among Friends by Danielle Harris, her, her directorial debut. Uh you're not missing much. Um, I oh, yeah, uh, there was that new Debbie Rashawn one too. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. yeah, Debbie. I'm surprised. Yeah, I was say I'm surprised Jason wasn't all uh, rock hard for that one. Model <laughs> hunger. Yeah. Uh, there was um. Uh, what was another one? I was. Oh yeah. So when I when I wanted to get into there's a there's a uh, female director out there by the name of Emily uh, Hagens. Is anybody familiar with her? Oh, Emma. Yeah. Here's why I want to get in talk about her films one of these days, and mostly because I need to see them. But there was a documentary made about okay. her mm-hmm. uh, when she was 16 years old called Zombie oh. Girl the Movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. that documentary was that so great that I just like, and the fact that she's still getting to make films. I, I, I try to follow her so, you know, although I've only ever seen one other of her movies. And that's my sucky teen romance. Um, but, you know, such a cheerleader for that girl. I'm so happy that she's gotten to make movies and that documentary is so great. And just, I love seeing somebody so young, just so passionate about making films. So, um, yeah. I was hoping we could get into her, but good luck trying to find any of her fucking movies, man. Yeah, but just, it's awesome for her. I mean, I, like, I, good for her. Yeah. Love to see what she does. Yep. Anyway, but, uh, you know, and Jennifer Lynch is one we didn't get into with, like, Boxing Helena or Chained. Um, we uh, didn't want to get depressed. Oh, yeah, very true. Talking about Chained. Fuck. Oh, oh great movie. Never so Commentary, watched. dude. Let's do it. No. She's going to be me and you crying in the corner. Like, man. oh, my God. That's right. There's Kat um, Shea, who directed the Poison... The uh, Drew Barrymore movie Poison Ivy, and she also did R- The Rage Carrie Part Two, and like Dance of the Damned. What's that? I actually like Rage Carrie too. If I rem- if it's the one I remember, yeah, I think I liked it too, but I can't remember if I'm remembering that or one of the many of remakes. It's a it's a very um, '90s movie. Like somebody like people get killed with CDs. Like it's that that kind of movie with like the the '90s technology being involved. Um, it's got what's it's got what's your name from the first movie this time all grown up and as a teacher in the film, right? Uh, that I can't tell you. It's been a okay. while. 
I, I remember the chick from uh, Rage Carry 2 was also in the uh, Brady Bunch movies. Which is, who? <laughs> of course. He knows all about I, the Brady I, Bunch yeah, movies. Middle child for the Brady Bunch movies. Oh, Marsha? I don't Yeah. No, not Marsha. Marsha was the Marcia, oldest. The, um, the middle Jan. One? From, uh, from the, uh, the Brady Bunch movies that they made in the 90s. Why I remember that, I don't know. And we also didn't talk about um, Doris Wishman. It's because I didn't want to torture Terry for this episode. <laughs> she was also primarily sexploitation. She didn't do. She did even fewer horror things yeah. than Roberta Findlay did. So yeah, I think like Night Night to Dismember is the only one I really know that she did. Yeah. Um, we didn't get into Jackie Kong, but there's a reason for that when we get to Insane's picks. Spoiler alert. But, yeah, that's about all I had for, like, honorable mentions. So, unless anybody has anything they want to add, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will do some segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans, this is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes twice a month that include movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. 
I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> Necronomicus. Uh, we also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Did we say horror movies? <laughs> Visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, We'll scare the shit out of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Visit us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. (laughs) How are you? And we're back. It's segments time here on Attack of the Killer podcast. And everybody's favorite segment that we start with first, because it gives us all a chance to go to the bathroom. It's yeah. shout-outs. <laughs> it's time for... Shout-outs! Hey everybody, just ask who your favorite horror film director, women directors are. And a whole slew on Facebook. Up first we got Rick Carlson says, Quentin T's the only little girl I know that makes horror. Oh. Ooh, Ooh, ouch. Ouch, moving on. Uh, Jonathan Hughes says, America Mary by the Suska Sisters. Woo. We got some sub comments. Brenda York says, they are brilliant. And she also adds, so glad I got to meet them at a convention. They took time to talk and inspire me, and I'm grateful to them. So humble. And she also adds, The Soska sisters have such vision, but look out for actress Danielle Harris. She also directed some thrillers. Havenhurst and Hallow's Eve, plus post-mortem. She has a small role in them, too. These women inspire me to one day independently direct my ideas. Awesome. This, this post is awesome. Thanks, Brenda. Up next, we have Amadeus Morant says, Near Dark. Steve Vessel also says, Near Dark. Also, Jacob McLaughlin says, Near Dark from Catherine Bigelow. Not only is it one of the best vampire films, sorry, Jacob, we're not friends anymore, <laughs> but it also <laughs> contains one of Bill Paxton's best and most memorable performances. I totally agree with that. Bill Paxton's and, and Jacob, shit. I'll be your friend. So, oh, I'm still friends with Jacob. Jason just doesn't like people with taste. That's all. That must be it. <laughs> Next up, we have Nick Leadham. He says, "Probably American Psycho." Though Pet Cemetery is pretty nostalgic, I'll have to watch it again to see if it's any good. Though <laughs> it's still really, it's really so good. good. Yeah. Holds up. Yeah, totally. Jim C. Faust Jr. says Pet Cemetery. He also says Danielle Harris. I love her. Me too. By the way, they're all spelling Pet Cemetery wrong. I know. Everybody, I know. They're all wrong. It's hard to spell it. It's all wonky, though. It's hard to spell it the wrong way like it is for right. the movie. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Our pal Derek John says Pet Cemetery is my favorite, but I also love Near Dark. Dave Thomas. Not the Wendy's guy. Oh, man. No, that, <laughs> this is a friend of mine from merry old England. Hi, oh. Dave. Oh. Thanks for chipping in. Old Dave says, a girl walks home alone at night. Yeah. Good Love movie. it. Love it. The Babadook. 
Good movie. Near Dark, The Velvet Vampire. Jennifer's body isn't bad either. I've seen her. She does look good. And the, uh, and uh, yeah, I was just saying, the movie's good, too. Yeah, I was trying to <laughs> Hey, this person, Loane spelled it right. Loane got it, because Loane's cool. Loane uh, <laughs> L. White says, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark and Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. Sweet. With an uh, S. Tim Lennerer says, Ravenous was the first one that came to mind. The shots at the start of the film where the soldiers are eating steak are completely repulsive. The director, the late Antonia Bird, was also a vegetarian, so the viewer gets to see meat as she presumably did. Toss in a great cast of character actors and some insane stunts, and you have yourself quite a movie. Oh, and watching Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle hit each other with essentially every prop in the film during the final sequence is a real hoot. <laughs> That's true. And he also adds, The Babadook is fantastic. Just in case the two horror fans who haven't seen this are listening in, essentially it's a two-person film and it's edited so amazingly that even though I knew the actor playing the son wasn't on set, the same time the woman playing his mom was screaming at him, I fell for it a thousand percent. Battle trick. We know about that. Oh, yeah. Next up, we got James Burke. He says, how about Hope Perello with the Howling Six? The Freaks. Nice. Now I realize, he says, now I realize the Howling franchise was very wayward, but the combination of Perello working with the script by Kevin Rock and having the actor acting chops of both Brendan Hughes and Bruce Payne ticked all the boxes. Can't remember six. Howling's I remember kinda, Freaks. That was that was the one in the circus. Yeah, uh, it, it's like advertised as like vampire versus werewolf. Yeah. Um, next up, Craig Allen Stewart tagged a friend who didn't comment. So <laughs> Jennifer Cooper, we're just still waiting for you to chime in. Yep, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll just, just wait for you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jennifer. Anytime now. Next up, Cody Peavy says, High Tension, great film. Have we ever talked about High Tension? I'm just kidding. The first three years of this podcast, that's all we talked about. But that's not directed by a woman. It's not directed by a woman, though, yeah. Oh. It's Alexandra Aja. Alexandra. Aja. Aja Juice. It's a a dude. (laughs) Sorry, Cody. Gavin R.R. Smith says, The Love Witch is tremendous. And even though I know Roger Corman brought in another director to add more salacious content, I thoroughly enjoyed Barbara Peters' <laughs> Humanoids from the Deep. Keisha Williams says, Jill Six and the Soskas. Between the stylist slash call girl and American Mary slash see no evil two, these ladies do it for me. Awesome. Yeah, good old Jill Six. Yeah, no. Yeah. Call out to our good friend Jill Six. That's Down awesome. Down there in KC. What's up, Jill? You should come back on the show sometime. Yeah. Steve Hergina says, it's probably Hergina, and I just can't do that. I can't do that right. Steve Hergina says, American Mary and Dead Hooker in a Trunk by Jen Soska slash Sylvia Soska. They're tagged in this post, so they're probably going to see it. And listen to the show and be really mad at us. <laughs> yeah. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Do you think, too, like, 
we project ourselves, you know, yes, uh, on people like them and like Rob Zombie because Fuck we yeah. know because we know that they are fans too, and like when they when when they're making films that are not what we want from them, we get a little extra butthurt about it because we know they're one of us, but they're not making movies for us. But at no, the Rob same, just sucks. but at the same time, it's like poor Rob Zombie. I mean, like we've talked before. Like if you were handed the keys to the kingdom of this, the holiest franchises, like how the fuck are you supposed to do anything with oh, that? And as not far like as with Halloween. Yeah. yeah. How are? You? <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> how was but he ever not- going to make anyone happy? You know, yeah. like. Hey, it made me happy. I know. I love the first one. But oh, I do too. Yeah. See, I think the first one is okay, and I love the second. All right, we're Shut done up, here. Ryan. Next, <laughs> next, we have Todd Reeves. Lastly, on Facebook, we have Todd Reeves says Daniel Harris, the movie. Damn it! I would watch I need that. To one. See, I need to see the stuff she's directed. I know the one. Danielle, put it out. Well, she's done some shorts too. She's just, true. she just had a baby, so she's busy. So it's not mine. Oh, it's it's has to come back mine. yet? I know you wish it was. Anyway, so that's Facebook. Over on the Twitter, we got Sean Hutchin at FatPunk68 says, "Doing this quickly before I set off for work." The Babadook, Near Dark, and Pet Cemetery, uh, real tragic elements within the horror. And then Jack Christensen at Judas underscore Priest says, "Pet Cemetery." And that's all we have on the Twitter. Um, and here's where I scroll to find our phone. Okay. And remember, you can always call in and leave your comments, and we'll put your voice on the show as well as your comments. Uh, you can call 415-952-6857. That's also 415-95-AOTKP. That's shout-outs. Woo! Thank you, Jason. Word up. All right, coming up next, we have some Wicked Women with Wear Tear. Yay, yay. yay. (laughs) Fine, nobody else howled. (laughs) Ow. So, with us talking about um, women directors in horror, I decided to kind of take a look back and see who the first female directors were in the genre. And this is what I found. So, if anyone else has any other information, feel free to write us on our Facebook or whatever. We'd love to to learn from you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found... The first one I found is more of a film noir, but it's definitely got horror elements. Uh, but it's called The Hitchhiker from 1953, um, directed by an Ida Lupino, um, about uh, you know, two fishermen pick up an escaped convict, and then he tells them that he's going to murder them once they're done giving him a ride is the plot of it. Um, it's 
considered i mean she's considered it's the the first film noir film directed by a woman but also kind of falls into that same category um yeah uh, and then the other, only other early early um instance i found was by the same director for the velvet vampire stephanie rothman um, there was a film in 1966 uh, called Bloodbath, uh, which actually had Sid Haig in it. Ooh. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are kind of some of the pioneering women directors. There weren't a whole lot around that time um, for obvious reasons it wasn't the same world that we're living in today but it's still kind of cool that they were getting in there and getting their hands dirty so yeah neat short and sweet i'm done (laughs) nice (laughs) go ladies go And now, the man who admires the women of horror so much that he directs all his films wearing high heels, sexy lingerie, and fuzzy Angora sweaters because it brings out his feminine side. It's time for Insane's Picks! (laughs) So, for Insane's Picks, this episode... Um, if you didn't pick up on it earlier, I have chosen a film by the lady director, Jackie Kong. Um, and I went with 1983's The Being. Uh, she also directed Blood Diner, and I know we've talked about (laughs) Blood Diner on the show, so I thought I'd go with The Being instead. Oh, man. The Being. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, the being, uh, during production was called Easter Sunday, and it was later changed to the beginning, to the beginning, to the being, after being shelved for over three years before it actually got released. It would have been awesome if it would have been called Easter Sunday, then we would have it part of our Easter, um, Easter horror films, which we don't have very many of. Part two. What's that? There's like two of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So The Being. What is The Being about? Well, toxic waste dumping in a small Idaho town was claimed to be safe until it turns a mutated cre- until until a mutated creature appears and starts killing all the locals. The police chief and a government scientist team up to stop the monster. But as it turns out, uh, the movie is just about a child's temper tantrum when we learned that the monster is actually a missing boy that had been altered by the toxic waste. The movie has its Jaws subplot where the mayor doesn't want word to get out or it'll affect the local industry. And you guessed it, the local industry, potatoes. Mm. <laughs> one, of the, one of the highlights of this movie for me is when our hero has a dream sequence where he and Martin Landau, that's right, Martin Landau is in this movie, are in a plane, and the monster attacks, pulling Martin Landau out of the plane. And out of nowhere, Ruth Buzzy, that's right, Ruth Buzzy is in this movie, who plays the mayor's wife, shows up riding a broom 
telling him it's all in his head. This oh movie stars, like I said, Martin Landau, Ruth Buzzy, but also Jose Ferrer, and Dorothy Malone. My favorite scene in this entire movie is the drive-in scene. And this is a scene that was quoted constantly by me and my friends in high school. When we first watched this movie on VHS, we laughed for hours after this particular scene. So it's at the drive-in, and there are two stoners in the car, in, in this car, watching the monster movie that's on the theater. When one of them sees the being standing outside the window of the car, the one stoner tells the other that when the movie is really bad, they send people around in costume to scare everybody. Then the other one says, I'll tell this guy to fuck off. Then it cuts back to the other stoner watching while the, while the, the first stoner rolls down the window and says, fuck off. Now, what made this so funny to us is when he says fuck off to the being, it's obviously recycled ADR from the first time he said I'll tell the guy to fuck off. Fuck off. Yes, because <laughs> it's in the exact same tone as the first time he said it. It's and watching it again all these years later, I'm like, yep, it still is holds up. You know, from what I remember back in high school. Then you see the guy's legs getting pulled out of the car by the being, and it looks even faker than Nancy's mom's getting pulled through the window at the end of Nightmare on Elm Whoa. Street. That's right. So. It's crazy fun. The monster appears out of nowhere through 75% of this movie in the backseat of people's cars, uh, in the garage of the mayor's house. That being shows up conveniently wherever it wants to show up. Apparently it's made out of ice cream because it melts throughout the entire movie and then reappears in other places. And so I, it, you can find it entirely on YouTube. I would definitely check it out for for some good early 80s monster madness fun. 1983's The Being. <laughs> that is a lot of fun. I haven't seen it since college, but I'm going to have to check that out again now. Yes. There's, it, there's also in the uh, in Monster Squad, in their clubhouse, they have a poster for it on the wall. Oh, you're right. There is. that Because that poster always... Stood out to me when looking at the video store shelves. It's kind of a silhouette of the being, but the silhouette of the being kind of makes it look like a like half man, half cobra kind of thing. Like it's got this big um, shield type head, like a cobra. And then when you watch the movie, it looks nothing like that. A fucking course, you know. It's got like. The creature in the movie... Well, it kind of changes shape throughout the movie. I don't think they ever settled on the actual design of the monster till the final fight scene in the <clears throat> at the end. Because it's got, like, one eye, and it's got, like, this weird kind of, like, you know, bubble head thing to it. It's yeah, gruesome it, looking, but it's just bizarre. As I remember correctly, it looks sort of like... Uh... A, a really cheap version of one of the Martians from George Powell's War of the Worlds from 1953, but with just the one eye, and its eye is like a googly eye that's just moving all the time, <laughs> so it looks like the monster's all jacked up on caffeine. That's a great, great comparison, absolutely. And then covered in, like, red slime, too. Right. Because it's just, like, gooey goodness all over the place. But, 
Yeah, googly eye. Definitely a googly eye. Oh, so that's it, man. That's this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Another one in the books. Get it. As this episode has come to a conclusion, I think Terry can agree that uh, the rest of us have all learned everything we need to know about women. (laughs) Or as Lloyd Kaufman would call them, gyno-Americans. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> oh god with this new era of female directors no wrong <laughs> with this new era of female directors that we will see that um, we will see more and more of our our horror fans from okay let me start that sentence again <laughs> with this new era of female directors that are up and coming um, we will hopefully see more horror fans of the opposite sex that sentence still doesn't make sense. I must have wrote it at 3 in the morning. Okay, that's it for this episode of Tech and Killer Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of... Wow. <laughs>